Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. Today, November 25th, 2014, I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. That song was Third Rock from the Sun by Joe Diffie from 20 years ago, 1994. Something I don't discuss very much on this show or even reflect musically when I open the show with a different song every week is that I am a fan of country music. How did that happen? How does a Jewish guy from the Los Angeles area end up a fan of country music. Not very likely. Uh, The way it happened was I spent two years living in Riverside, California for two years. Not a very nice place to live, by the way. But uh, that's uh, that's how I picked up country music. And uh, there were like four country stations there. Also, this was uh, during the time when country music hit its peak of mainstream popularity. Line dancing got popular, which I wasn't into myself. But country music was getting more popular in the mainstream anyway in the uh, early to mid-90s. So I happened to be in a place that already was pretty big on country music, uh, and then there were like four country stations there, so I picked it up. Uh, The reason I played that song, uh, I think it's kind of funny. If you go back and listen to the lyrics, and just uh, if you don't like country music, ignore the fact that it's country music. It's about uh, a guy who's trying to cheat on his wife and sets off a whole chain of events from that 
to where the the whole town ends up in a blackout and everyone's in a panic and thinks that uh, an alien is landing in the town. All from the one little seemingly personal decision to cheat on his wife with a woman he met at a bar. This resonates with me because two major things that are currently in existence in my life were a result of two very minor things or seemingly minor things that happened that seemed like they were nothing at the time that ended up affecting me big time in my future. The first one, uh, it was in 1993 and I was dating a girl that I, it was near the end of of the relationship and, uh, we didn't know it yet, but it was it was near the end. It was um, probably about a week and a half away from being over. And um, I was at my parents' house. And my then-girlfriend saw my brother, which would be for the very last time, because we did end up breaking up. And she mentioned to my brother that she knew a guy from school that uh, she thought my brother would get along with really well. And she said, you know, this this guy, I'm not friends with him, but it just seems like you two are so alike. And, and I told this guy about you, and it, it was almost like she's fixing them up in a friendship. So uh, they became friends uh, because she did that. That was the very last time she saw him, and she caught him as we were walking out the door. Had we walked out the door five minutes earlier, this wouldn't have happened. Now, why am I telling you this? Why do you care about my brother becoming friends with a guy over 20 years ago? Well, what happened was uh, I befriended the guy too, uh, and this guy is the one who got into poker in like 1999, and after about a year of playing it and really getting into Limit Hold'em, the next year told me that I should really learn how to play Limit Hold'em, that it's fun, that I'll enjoy it, that he thinks I may even be the type who could be good at it. So I said, okay, so that's how I got into poker, was through that guy who had been playing it himself and recommended it to me. Otherwise, I would have had no interest in learning Limit Hold'em in the year 2000. And I would have discovered poker at the same time most people in America did, which was when it got on TV and uh, you know everyone was playing No Limit. I doubt I would have ever gotten into Limit because I would have just seen No Limit on TV and thought, okay, that's what I should play. And I don't know how that would have changed, you know, whether I'd be successful in poker or not. Uh, but uh, as you can see today, my primary success has been in Limit Hold'em. I'm a much better Limit Hold'em player than I am a No Limit Hold'em player, especially in cash. So that really, I, I think that one moment where my then-girlfriend mentioned to my brother that she should meet this guy she knows, that she thinks they'd get along and be friends. That's what led me seven years later to learning Limit Hold'em. That's what led to me becoming a professional poker player a few years later. And that's what led to you hearing this radio show right now, because I doubt I would be doing this show or running a site called PokerFraudAlert.com if that had not happened. That seemingly nothing event... As we're walking out the door of this girl telling my brother, hey, you should meet this guy I know. 
Jstat is saying in chat, limit, no limit poker is dumbed down seven card stud. No, it's just a different game. It is true that you can play limit hold'em or any hold'em and do other things more easily than you can with stud. With stud, there's more stuff to watch. You have to observe more in stud. But it's they're different games. They're very different games. Anyone who thinks that uh, Hold'em's the easy game and Stud is the hard game, I'd like to see a really good Stud player translate over to Limit Hold'em and really good there. Uh, a few people can, but these are the world-class poker players who can do everything. But uh, for the most part, most Stud players, when they come over to Hold'em, they suck. That's what I've seen. Anyway, that was the first event. The second one... Second one was in 19... Well, right, right around the same time, actually, earlier. In 1991, or sorry, 1992, October 92, I had a friend at college who wrote a perverted poem to a girl he liked that we both knew. And I think I've told this story before, but the girl who received this perverted poem that she didn't appreciate, in fact... Uh, you know, she and her friend, who also received a poem, called me up on three-way to ask me to have my friend stop doing that. And had that not occurred, then I would not have really gotten to know the recipient of that poem as well as I did. And I would not have had my son Benjamin with that girl. That's the same girl. All these years later, that's that's how it's that's kind of how it started. I knew her, but we would not have kept talking. We would not have been friends. We would not have uh, had any reason to talk again had it not been for that poem that my friend wrote to her in October of '92. And then, eighteen years later, my son was born. So I think about things like this. I think about things. Where if there's a slight change in something that doesn't seem like a big deal at the time, your life can be completely different. I also wonder sometimes, might there be some things that would be better in my life if other events that could have happened didn't? And are there even some catastrophic events I have avoided in some way by, say, leaving the house five minutes later than I otherwise would have? And avoiding a major car accident because I'm on the road five minutes later and the same hazards don't exist or the same drunk driver doesn't exist that would have hit me. You know, there's so many things can be like that. Anyway, didn't mean to go into a whole rant about that, but I was explaining my choice of this song. No co-host tonight, as you might have guessed. Daniel72 says in chat, life, it's all random BS. That's true. It is. There's a lot of randomness. There's a lot of randomness. And uh, and to make it all the way through life, when I say all the way through, I mean to you know a relatively old age where you're not ex- you're not said to have died early. You have to be somewhat lucky just to do that because there's so many things that can get you. So many things, some things with your own body, you know, health problems, or sometimes things beyond your control. Sometimes mistakes you make that cause it. Sometimes being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Anyway, let me give you the usual intro to the show. 
We have a free roll tonight, as we do just about every week here on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. We've given away more money in this free roll in the last two and a half years plus that we've done this radio show than any poker podcast or radio show in the world. An average of, I'd say, around $100, maybe a little bit less every week. And less, a little bit less, but uh, usually between 50 and 200, somewhere in there. And I'd say averaging probably around like 90. Well, this week we have an above average free roll. And it's all thanks to one person. A person approached me anonymously and said that they wanted me to hold a free roll tonight and call it the fuck work free roll. The fuck work free roll. And... He wants me to call it that because it's someone who's frustrated with his job. I'm not going to go into the story. This person, he didn't tell me for certain that he didn't want to be named, but I kind of got that from our conversation. I forgot to ask for confirmation. So I'm just going to say it's anonymous right now. This person can come forward if he wants. And if he doesn't want, that's cool too. You know, some people donate and enjoy hearing their name or screen name said on the radio. Other ones donate because they they think it's the right thing to do or they want to be generous or just want to be nice and uh, they don't want the credit and either way is fine but uh, I, I don't know what this person wants so I, I'm going to keep him anonymous right now but he wants me to call it the fuck work free roll that's what I'm going to call it it's his money uh, the entire donation this week is from him and it's it's a normal free roll it's just uh, he's saying fuck work so there you go the prizes, this is No Limit Hold'em. It takes place in the No Fraud Online Poker Room starting 7.40 p.m. Pacific. First place is $50. Second place, $30. Third place, $13. Fourth place, $7. 50 30 13 and 7 are the prizes, totaling 100 There's no bounty this week. And uh, don't add to this free roll, please. If you want to add, please add next week. I just, it seemed to me that... Uh, I wanted this guy to have the free roll to himself this week as far as who donated. So there there you go. $100 free roll. And I will pay you whatever way you want. PayPal, bank transfer, Bitcoin, cash check, any of those things. I really have sent a lot of Bitcoin recently. So the only requirement that I have for you to win this free money is that you have to have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum dated June 1st, 2013 or before. If you do not, if your account is dated after June, th- June 1st, 2013, email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and I will give you an exemption that will last as long as you're in good standing on the site to win the free money anyway. You must do it before the free roll starts, which, as I said, is at 740 Pacific, about 45 minutes from now. And you get the exemption by convincing me you've been listening for at least three weeks. And you can convince me that by telling me things that you have heard on those three shows that are not in the official show description. Another way to get instant access to the free rolls is donate $10 or more to this or a future free roll. So send me 10 bucks right now. I won't keep it. I'll put it in the prize pool of a future free roll and you can get entry as well. I do this just to prevent free roll leeches from playing in the free roll with no other interest in this site. 
You don't have to post here. I prefer if you do. But uh, at the very least, I want you to be a regular or semi-regular listener to win the free money. If you want to call into the show, two phone numbers, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the main phone number, 775-FRAUD-55. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. That's a mountain that is near Las Vegas, gets snow during the winter. I have an old 70s rotary telephone that sits on top of that mountain and forwards to me wherever I go. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. You can look up the number. You'll see it's actually a Mount Charleston number, 702-430-1808. No matter what number you call, you need to show your caller ID. If it comes through as an unknown or blocked call, then it will not go through. I have it automatically set to give you a busy signal if you do that. If you want to text me during the show, you can do it. In fact, you can text me anytime before the show, after the show, during the show. It's the same phone number as the main number. 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is the text number. I will read your text during the show unless you ask me not to. Here's some texts I've gotten since the show started or beforehand. From the 951 area code, Jay Acosta texted, all hail Jay Acosta. Very high on himself, apparently. 773 texted me, I keep syrup in my soda like Jody Hyrola. But he sent it from a free texting service. Someone's afraid to have me get his phone number. 678 area code, Team ML Gay is greater than the bad guy, balling. That wasn't from Team ML Gay, as far as I can tell. 678 is not in Canada. And uh, that's all we've gotten so far. Um, oh, we have a, a bounty tonight. I'll take that. Uh, a bounty. You knock out CL Crew 2 in the tournament. CL Crew 2 He claims he's sending $10. Provided he really sends it, which I think he will, then... I will send you 10 bucks if you knock out CL Crew 2 Just email me or PM me on the site if you do knock him out, and I will give you the 10 bucks. So thank you. Thank you, CL Crew. So here is the agenda for tonight. And, you know, if you call in during the show and I don't answer, try back in 15 minutes. It just means I can't take the call right now. I'm doing everything here. And if you want to interact with the other people listening live, if you're listening to this live, you can go to the chat room. You click on the chat button near the top of the screen. You need a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhone or iPad, and you need a working account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum. I try to read the chat every so often, but honestly, I can't because I'm doing so many other things, so I'll just glance at it every once in a while. Tilted Stone asking in chat right now, what is on the agenda? I will tell you shortly. Someone PMing me, they want me to talk about Ferguson. A lot of people want me to talk about Ferguson. I, I This show is not about that sort of thing. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit, but I, I, that's really not why I'm doing this show. There's so much discussion of Ferguson everywhere in the media right now. Everywhere. So you may want to hear what I have to think about it, but I mean, there are so many different people from so many different sides of this issue 
speaking all over the media right now. I just don't think that anything I have to say will add much to it. Baggin saying in chat, he has Ferguson overload. He doesn't want me to talk about that. Darkstar saying, no, spend more time talking about country music. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let me tell you about some other songs that uh, Joe Diffie did in the mid-90s and the meaning of those. No, I'm just kidding. Be careful what you ask for, though. I might actually do it. S. Double, by the way, is the one who... uh, Asked me to talk about Ferguson. So. I will, a little bit. But not until later. People who listen to the show mainly want to hear about the poker-related topics or the ongoing sagas we have on this show. But not really current events. Here's the agenda for tonight. I know some of you are sick of Ultimate Poker and I'm not going to talk about it very long, but there's two things I want to get to tonight about Ultimate Poker, both small stories, short stories. Uh, The first one, Ultimate Poker screws people with U-points. That's kind of equivalent to the PokerStars FPPs. On the way out, you know, Ultimate Poker has closed, but if you had U-points there, uh, bad news for you. They're almost worthless. And they also screwed people with free roll tickets, and I'll talk about that too. A lot of people are getting checks from Ultimate Poker for micro amounts, 55 cents, 33 cents, you know, amounts under a dollar. Because basically they're required by law to auto-cash out everybody now that they're closing. They can't just take your money since they're a regulated site. So Marco from Quad Jacks, or formerly from Quad Jacks, I shouldn't say from Quad Jacks, but formerly of Quad Jacks, is spearheading an effort to take that loose change and change it into charity. He thinks he can collect 500 or more dollars doing this and then give it to a charity. Okay, I mean, it seems like a lot of effort and trouble. But all right, we'll talk a bit about what Marco's doing. And I'll tell you how to donate if you want to, if you're 55 cents or whatever. Well, a lot of you listen to this show for poker-related topics, and a lot of you listen for the shenanigans and the hijinks, you know, the bad guy 23 calls, the prank calls, and we've had less of that in recent times, which makes some of you happy, but makes some of you unhappy. Some of you think the show is boring now because we don't do enough of that. Well, this week, Ken Scaler, I I can't say he's going to call into the show. I have no way to call him. He has no phone. But he appeared on Loveline. So I'm going to play his love line call. And yes, I'm talking about that love line with Dr. Drew. I'm going to play his call. And then we're going to attempt to call the girl he was talking about on love line, who is a stranger to him, and get her reaction and see if she even knows about it. Now, she doesn't know I'm calling, and I'm going to try to call her at work, which is a fast food place, by the way. (laughs) And uh, we may reach her, we may not, and I'm not even 100% sure who she is, but we'll try. We will try. You'll understand further when we get to the segment. Well, something bad happened on Carbon Poker this week. Picture the nightmare. I mean, it really sounds like a nightmare where you're in a poker tournament and you have pocket queens and you shove all in pre-flop. And the other player turns over jacks. So you're feeling pretty good about yourself. 
that you've got Queens over Jackson, you just got to have the board run out. Got about a, I think about an 80% chance to win, if I remember my odds properly. Now imagine after that happens, you shove your Queens, you see the call, you look over at the other guy's cards and see Jacks, you take your eyes off your cards for a second, and your cards suddenly change to where they're no longer pocket queens, they're now pocket eights. Doesn't that sound like something you'd have in a nightmare? I mean, I've actually had dreams like this, where I'm playing poker and I'm raising someone with what I think is the nuts or a very strong hand, and then I turn over my cards and I, it turns out I have A's high, and I feel like a fool. And I say, like, what did I do here? I'm sure I had something else. Well, this actually really happened. Not in a dream, but it happened in real life. Not just once, but to a lot of people on carbon poker, where their cards changed, where they found themselves as other people on the site that they were logged out and auto-logged in as someone else. This really happened on Garbin Poker. Very disturbing situation, and we'll talk about the fallout from this and whether you should feel safe playing on Carbon Poker, one of the few U.S.-facing sites. A lot of stories out in New Jersey this week. And, you know, I'm from the West, so I don't have much personal interest in New Jersey. But I think these stories are all interesting, and a lot of them have to do with either past or present poker topics that affect everyone. First off, former UB CEO Jim Ryan, who was at the helm during all the cheating that occurred there, who is thought to have helped cover up the cheating and helped underpay people for their refunds on UB, He has since taken jobs in legitimate poker. He was with B-Win Party for a long time. And now he wants to join Pala Interactive and provide legal online poker and online casinos to U.S. residents. So you have a guy who was very much a part of the UB cheating scandal, the very worst cheating scandal ever in poker by far. And he is now a major player in the legalized U.S. market, or at least he wants to be. Pala Interactive is owned by the Pala Indian tribe in California, but they're trying to set up shop in New Jersey. Well, it looked like bad news a few weeks ago. It looked like that this was going to be approved. It looked like that Jim Ryan was going to get a license as would Paula Interactive for New Jersey. Well, not so fast. New Jersey is reconsidering this because the community, and I hope some of my listeners here who I encourage to do this, have complained enough to the state of New Jersey, and they have decided they're going to reevaluate the situation and might deny Jim Ryan a license. We'll talk about what's going on there. Speaking of Paula Interactive, is Phil Ivey in or out? We're seeing two completely contradictory things here. One which says he's there, one which says he has nothing to do with it anymore. He was supposed to be representing Paula Interactive. Well, right now, if you want to bet on sports legally in the U.S., there's only one place to do it. That's Nevada. 
You cannot do it anywhere else in the country unless you use illegal bookmaking services, whether it's uh, offshore sports books like Bovada or bookies that you know that take bets illegally. But you can't bet legally if you're not physically located in the state of Nevada in the United States. New Jersey is trying to change that. They're trying to get sports betting. Now, we've talked about that before, but it's no no longer looking very good. The legalization effort in New Jersey has failed. So we will talk about how it has failed and if it's likely to have any chance of turning that around and having sports betting in that state. Speaking of failure, the Ravel Casino, which spent uh, $2.6 billion building this very nice-looking property that was just laid out very poorly. They just made a lot of mistakes. They spent a lot of money but made a lot of mistakes. Uh, It was set to sell for a bargain price of $110 million, a $2.6 billion property for $110 million. But it has fallen through and for a reason you would never guess. Finally... As far as the New Jersey stories go, there was some talk that New Jersey was going to merge its online poker player pools with Nevada and Delaware, creating just one big network of legalized online poker. Or at least, uh, I shouldn't say one big network, but at least you could play in all three states and presumably the big players would all be doing this. The big players meaning the big players in the industry like WSOP.com. So everyone was thinking it's just a matter of time. Probably it's going to happen by the end of 14, maybe beginning of 15, where you can log on to WSOB.com in either Nevada or New Jersey or Delaware, and, and you could uh, play against a combination of people from those three states. Well, it looks like it's not going to happen. It looks like New Jersey is not expected to join the Nevada and Delaware poker player pools, which you might think is strange because New Jersey... They've had very underwhelming gaming revenues compared to what they expected. They're making about 10% of what they expected. So why would they not want free money with a bigger player pool? I'll explain why they don't want it and why they won't do it. Some of you have heard of a player named Dusty Schmidt, also known as Leatherass. I don't know why he calls himself Leatherass, uh, though it might be because his ass feels like leather or maybe... uh, it gets stuck to the leather in his chair because he plays so much online poker. This was a known 12-tabler. This guy would sit there all day and all night, 12-tabling, no-limit hold'em on poker stars. He earned Supernova Elite back when you could play in the U.S., uh, I think faster than anyone. This guy was the ultimate grinder and a very good player, too, and he had a blog people liked, and a lot of people had a lot of respect for Dusty Schmidt. Then he quit playing poker, and his explanation for quitting was that he was experiencing brain function issues as a result of his major multi-tabling, claiming he got brain damage, in a way, from multi-tabling online poker. And some people believed him, some didn't, but the weirdest thing is that now he's back. Does he have a death wish? Does he want to bring himself into dementia? We will talk about it. 
Finally, last week we talked about Jose Canseco and his finger falling off during a poker game. There's an update to that story, which some of you might already know. I will tell you at the end. That is our agenda. What I will do is I'll go through the ultimate poker topics, which are pretty quick. And then we're going to call... I'm going to play the segment then for the love line, and then after that we're going to try to call that girl. I don't want it to get too late. It's also a chance she's not even at work. I don't know what hour she works. I, I know very little about all this. But we're just going to take a shot in the dark here and see how it goes. I just don't want it to get really late, and that tends to happen whenever I want to call someone or something. I, I let it get late, and then I, then we reach no one, and I feel frustrated. So... Let's talk about Ultimate Poker. Let me see if we got any texts here. Oh. I'm going to give a shout-out here to uh, Sean, a.k.a. UGA is the team. Uh, I've mentioned before on this show, he's the same age as me, and he had a stroke, and he lost use of the left side of his body, which he's very slowly getting back, but uh, I, I don't know... You know how much of a recovery he'll eventually have. I, I hope it's full. But his life changed in an instant. Uh, the good news was that he survived it. Uh, the bad news is your life just changes. You go from a, just a, a normal person walking around, going to work every day, driving all the. Now he's, uh, you know, he's in a wheelchair, and a lot of things have changed for for UGA because he can't move the left side of his body, and. Uh, Felt really bad when I heard about this story. I, I've met him a number of times. He's a nice guy. He's been part of this community for about 10 years now. So glad he survived and you know, listening to the show. So shout out to him. He texted me. He played in the free role with, that Brandon put on, and I was the one who busted him, though at least he made a little bit of money. I think like 50 bucks or something. But at least he money. At least I didn't bubble him. But we got it all in with a very standard spot of ace-king suited against jacks. So, let me talk about uh, ultimate poker. Because uh, this saga never quite ends. Now, as most of you know, ultimate poker shut down. There's no more ultimate gaming. They've given up. They're not going to be part of the legalized U.S. market. They're not. And... They've thrown in the towel. They wasted millions of dollars on the effort. They made a lot of mistakes, especially in upper management. And that's that. And if you want to hear that whole story, you can listen to last week's show where I talked about it extensively. But this week, I'm not going to talk about it extensively. I'm going to tell you the new stuff this week. Ultimate Poker had a thing called U-Points. U-Points were pretty much the way you would earn rake back. Uh, for every raked hand you would play, you would get some U points. Uh, depending upon what your tier status was on there, you'd get a multiplier of U points. And uh, eventually you could trade in your U points for tournament tickets. You could trade it in for prizes. You could trade it in for, for cash or for free, uh, for bonuses or whatever. Very similar to the situation on Poker Stars. In fact, Ultimate Poker had many former Poker Stars employees, including Terrence Chan, including Scotty Yates. So they modeled their frequent player program very much after Poker Stars, which has been a successful program. 
Well, a lot of people accumulated these U points and they assumed they had plenty of time to use them. But much like the FPP situation on Poker Stars, where stars just shut down and then screwed people somewhat with their FPPs, I won't get into that again, but they did. Ultimate Poker did even worse. See, on Stars, they just underpaid people. On Ultimate Poker, they took everything out of the store except for a few items. That meant no more bonuses. No more tournament tickets, no more cash, and they pretty much took out every item from the store except for the highly coveted Ultimate Poker hats, shirts, and other Ultimate Poker clothing. (laughs) Because nothing is more coveted, nothing is more valuable than promotional clothing for a failed poker site. I know there's a lot of people out there wanting to represent Ultimate Poker at this point. But wait, there was one prize still left there that was not clothing. It was wireless headphones. For some reason, they left up the wireless headphones. I don't know why. Maybe because they had a a surplus of them. These are Ultimate Poker branded wireless headphones. So you could order those And that was it. That was it. Wireless headphones or Ultimate Poker clothing. That was all you could get from their store. So if you saved up your U-points thinking you were going to exchange them for cash, as I did, now you are forced to buy either headphones or clothing, all with the Ultimate Poker branding on it. They gave no one a warning about this, and they changed it as soon as they made the announcement that they were going down. Because that was the first thing I thought of when they announced they're going down. I'm like, oh crap, what about my U-points? So I rushed over there and I bought my headphones. I, I received my two headphones already. They came in the mail. Uh, e- even the the way the headphones were sent to me was very shady and unprofessional. The headphones came in a you know, one of those big manila bubble envelopes, hand-addressed to me. No return address, just had my name and address on the front. It was in a big manila bubble wrap envelope. And inside were two black boxes, two very plain black boxes that I open up and I see one in each headphones. And no instructions, just just the headphones. And they didn't even look completely new. They almost looked like they were used. Like, I wasn't seeing people's hair stuck on the headphones or anything, but, like, they look a little bit scratched. They they look like they've just been sitting around. Oh, they weren't wrapped either. It wasn't, like, wrapped in plastic. It was just headphones that were stuffed in a box that was then stuffed in an envelope and hand-addressed to me. I mean, how shady is that? So I have to imagine they must have had a ton of these sitting around the office, and they're like, well, we have no use for, you know, hundreds or thousands of these headphones, so let's let these chumps with the U-points order these instead of getting UP shirts and uh, UP caps. Why they were not in professional packaging, I don't know, but they weren't. So that's what I got, and they came. And my remaining 7,000-whatever U-points, I could not spend. There was nothing I could get with them, so I just had to lose that. 
I think a U point was worth like a tenth of a penny. So I think I had $7 and change left. Anyway, that wasn't the biggest problem. That was one really lousy thing they did. But I don't know what the, maybe this, actually, probably that was the biggest problem. But a second problem also occurred. What if you had tournament tickets? What do they do with the tournament tickets? Well, if they were real tournament tickets with a definite value, they cashed them out as they had to. So if you had a $215 tournament ticket, you got $215 for it. But let's say you had a free roll ticket. And let's say if the value of that free roll ticket based upon past free rolls, that is if you take the total prize pool of the free roll and divide it by the average number of entrants that have been coming into these free rolls, uh, let's say your free roll ticket was $35 value in equity for an average player. How much do you think they gave you for these free roll tickets? Do you think they gave you, let's say it was worth 35 bucks. Do you think they gave you 30? Do you think they gave you 20? You think they gave you 15 or 10 or 5? No. No. Uh, surprisingly, they gave you... One million dollars. No, no. They gave you a whopping 11 cents. <laughs> 11 cents for each free roll ticket that you had earned. No matter how much the free roll ticket was really worth... No matter what your equity really was in these free rolls, you got 11 cents. Now you may say, well, these are free roll tickets. They don't owe you anything. I don't even know where they came up with 11 cents, but the truth is here, you earn these tickets from playing on their site and paying rake. This was something you earned and that you were playing believing that you would earn. Maybe that was your reason or part of your reason for playing on the site was earning these tickets. And when you've earned something that you believe is worth $35 or whatever, and they pay you 11 cents from it, it's just a complete slap in the face and a further insult. I don't even know why they're giving 11 cents. I, I think it would just be better if they, they trashed the free roll tickets completely. This is, like a, this is almost like leaving a, a penny tip when you go out to eat. The server would rather you don't leave any tip than you leave a penny. A penny is saying, F you. F you. I'm showing you I didn't forget the tip. I'm just giving you a penny to show you what a piece of shit you are. That's what a penny means. Well, 11 cents here is probably just the same thing. It's saying, F you players. You didn't play on here enough. We don't like you. On the way out, we're going to laugh in your face and give you 11 cents each. And then, if you quit the site, you're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of like you know 11 cents, 22 cents, 33 cents in your account. And now you're going to have to get a check from us for that amount. What's also weird is they have to pay to send you these checks and the cost of sending out these checks, all these micro checks is far more than the balance in each account. But once they convert it, once your your account has money in it, then they are required by law to pay you. So if you had any free roll ticket in your account, you probably got an email from Ultimate Poker telling you that you are going to get a check for 55 cents or whatever. So they screwed people in two ways. They took their U points, which they believed were people believed were worth cash and could be traded in for cash or tournament tickets and just disabled that and made you buy crap from their store with very little selection too. It's not even like you could buy good electronics or anything. You had to either headphones or, or clothing. And uh, they devalued your free roll tickets down to eleven cents. 
Now, Marco Valerio, this is a, kind of a weird story, but I, I think it's uh, it's interesting. Marco Valerio, who used to be of Quad Jacks, said that since nobody was expecting these micro checks, Marco, for example, is going to be getting 18 cents. He thought, wow, with so many hundreds or thousands of players on Ultimate Poker likely getting these checks, maybe he should start a campaign where each player pledges whatever pennies they get there to charity. And maybe it will add up to something that will be substantial. So when I saw this, I was wondering if this was going to really catch on, if it was going to be something that was mocked and laughed at, but it actually did catch on. Um, If you want to take a look at the page about this, this is uh, agentmarco.com. That's A-G-E-N-T marco.com, exactly as it sounds, slash S-A-P-K, S-A-P-K, all lowercase, and that stands for Spontaneous Acts of Poker Kindness. And uh, this is the page about the micro-donations. And what you do there is you pledge whatever money you're getting, and and they add it to the total. Uh, now, how you actually pay them, I, I don't quite understand. That, that's what I don't. How do you get it to Marco? Do you uh, do you PayPal it to him or something? I, I don't get it. Um. I'm trying to scroll through the page here. So he says, if you would like to donate, please contact, uh, please email him agentmarco87 at gmail.com or tweet him at agentmarco. Not every pledge will immediately be considered honest because how easy it would be to troll me. But if you look generally trustworthy or better yet, I know you, then we're probably good. So... I guess you have to send it to him in some way. It's still not clear to me how you send him the money, but you pledge it. And uh, I guess that uh, Daniel Anderson, a.k.a. uh, that's Danielle Anderson, D-Moon Girl, who used to be a pro on Ultimate Poker, she has pledged to match up to $500 of whatever is sent to Marco. So if Marco received $480, she would give $480 as well, up to 500 You know, if he got 500 or more, she sends 500 So very nice of Danielle. Uh, what charity this goes to, I'm not sure. I am not sure. But uh, at the moment, $370.79 has been pledged to Marco. And provided he really gets that, then when you multiply it by two because of Daniel Anderson, then it's up to $741. So, I mean, good. It's it's not going to be a huge sum of money. But I I think it's a nice thing. I felt I can give it publicity here, and it's kind of interesting. The pain in the ass here, like if you get a check for $0.18, do you even bother depositing it? it? It takes a little effort to deposit a check. Do you, do you really deposit it just for the principle of not letting Ultimate Poker keep a penny? Or do you just throw it in the garbage? I'm actually going to deposit mine. Mine's going to be $0.55 cents for five free roll tickets. 
And yes, I'm going to deposit it. Just I, I don't want them keeping my fifty-five cents. That's why. I otherwise I would not do it. If it was fifty-five cents from someone, if I don't care if they keep my money or not, then I would not go through the trouble of depositing a check for fifty-five cents. My time is worth more than that. But for the principal, I am going to deposit it. Will I donate the fifty-five cents to Marco? I mean, if there's an easy way for me to pay him, sure. But uh, I'm not going to jump through hoops to send fifty-five cents. So that's what's going on with Ultimate Poker. Kind of a weird story, and surprised it actually caught on as much as it did. People asking, can I call Marco about this? You know, let me see. I have him on Skype. I don't have his phone number. But I have him on Skype. But I don't see him online right now. Yeah, he's not online. The weird thing is on Skype, he's got a his Skype picture is a koala bear holding what looks like uh, a shish kebab or something, but it kind of looks like the pedo bear when you first look at it. So you're like, why does Marco Valerio have the pedo bear up as this picture? <laughs> what does this say about Marco? Has he got the little girls in his basement? But no, it's a koala bear that just uh, resembles the pedo bear a bit. So I, I guess I can't reach him. I don't have his phone number. And somebody can tweet at him to call this show, then or get on Skype. I'll put him on here. Marco had told me, by the way, when I was posting actively on Two Plus Two, that he really liked my Two Plus Two posts, and he was glad I came back. But that is no longer because Mason Malamuth decided to ban me for no good reason, because that's what Mal- Mason Malamuth does. Someone asking in chat, what happened to Quad Jacks? Quad Jacks fell apart thanks to one snake in the grass, also known as Zach Hart. Zach was pretty much taking advantage of all the staff of Quad Jacks, including Marco himself, and eventually everybody rebelled, and that was that. Quad Jacks fell apart because the owner did not treat people well. Joe Yu is saying it looks more like a triple cake pop that the pedo bear is holding. I, I don't care what he's really holding. I'm just saying that it it kind of looks like the pedo bear. It's just that was what I saw. Like it jumped out at me. I'm like, hmm, where's Marco? Where's Marco? Here he is. Whoa, the pedo bear! What the hell? <laughs> but it's just a koala bear. All right. Uh, I'm going to play the Ken Scaler appearance on Loveline. Ken is actually a veteran of Loveline. Loveline was originally conceived and hosted by Jim Poorman Trenton and began in the early 80s. In 1986, and Loveline, they would usually have celebrity guests on there once it became a, a big show. It was a local L.A. show, but eventually it went national. But uh, they, it would be broadcast out of L.A. from KROQ, KROQ FM 106.7. And in 1986, Ken Scaler called up while Hulk Hogan was a guest host of the show with Poor Man. And Ken was a big fan of wrestling. So he was excited to talk to Hulk Hogan as well. And he asked Hulk Hogan if it's normal for a 16-year-old boy to masturbate a lot. And Hulk Hogan responded, what? 
You're asking me a question like that? You know, this guy, uh, this guy should be pumping iron, not pumping his thing. <laughs> he said, I ought to body slam him for asking that question. Unfortunately, nobody has a copy of this. Someone had a copy of it a long time ago, but they lost it. I've been desperately looking. Some people have, you know, tapes of Loveline going all the way back and post them online. But so far, none have appeared of Ken with Hulk Hogan. And I doubt Hulk Hogan has it himself because he's been on so many things. I doubt he has an archive of everything he's ever appeared on. Uh, Probably somewhere K-Rock has it in the archives. They don't make it easy to... Obtain for the public So we won't get to hear the Ken Scaler masturbation call From 86 but he's been calling Loveline You know every so often In the years since And at one point he got banned from Loveline for reasons I don't remember Uh, Now Dr. Drew Pinsky who runs Loveline He was the original Doctor on the show with Poor Man And uh, after Poor Man got fired Drew stayed on there And he's still there to this day Uh, Dr. Drew Pinsky, I doubt he remembers Ken, or if he does, he wouldn't remember his voice. I mean, Dr. Drew has so much going on, Ken is the last thing he'd think about. But Ken was still worried that if he called up as Ken, they would not let him on, and Dr. Drew might remember him. So he called up under the name Joel. So that's why you'll hear Joel on there and not Ken. But it really is Ken, and you'll recognize his voice. And the punk band known as AFI was in the studio during this call, so they talked to Ken as well. Ever had sex with a celebrity? Tell us your story. Any kind of celebrity, even if it's a local celebrity, let us know. That'll be the open forum at the top of the hour. Right now, let's get your calls. This is Joel. Joel, what's up? Well, first of all, I'm the Davey Havoc. Um, I just want to say congratulations. Anyone that has a band that lasts for 20 years, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I'm the biggest fan. I respect you guys. It's just great that you're able to keep your band going for that many years. And, the, and that, that piece, that, that piece uh, in itself is worthy of note, and people don't talk about that so much. The only people we ever end up talking about that, which is Bad Religion. Really, bad bad religion. religion. Yes. We always go, oh, you guys, we've all been around. Yeah, but so we don't, that, doesn't, that doesn't talked about that way with you guys, but it, it's worth noting. I appreciate well, I know, it. I know he started in the early 90s, and he left UC Berkeley to do the music thing full-time, and I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, wow, I love AFI, but I mean, you know, you're an artist, and I just respect Hey, hey Joel. Twice. Joel, you don't have to keep repeating it. Twice, we got I'm it, Joel. I'm not a fan of AFI. We heard that. I appreciate <laughs> it, nevertheless. Hey, go ahead. What's your question? I did have a love question. Yes, please. By the way, if you heard in the uh, – <laughs> did you hear the trucks going in the background? He's at a payphone making this call. He doesn't have a phone. He He's calling Loveline from a payphone. You're hearing trucks go by. But they don't seem to notice that Loveline. They probably think he's in his car. went to a fast food restaurant last night. Tommy's? Hey, so anyway, it's yeah. actually the Wendy's in Northridge, okay. which is in California for you out-of-staters. And um, there's like a manager that works there. She's like ringing me up, and she's like really, really, really cute. But obviously she's working. Okay, so let me just say, if you're listening at the Wendy's from Northridge, uh, Lindsay, why don't you, where are you? Where the hell's Lindsay? Tell her to get Joel's phone number, and if the guy, if the, and somebody who works at the Wendy's in Northridge wants to call us, we'll vet them, and uh, and maybe, Joel, we can hook you guys up. Well, that's good, but I mean, but normally, if I like a girl and she's, like, working, I mean, is there, and I, I don't think she's married because she didn't have, like, a wedding ring on. Working at Wendy's, I think, is a good bet. 
I mean, is there any way I could ask her out? I mean, I mean, obviously I can't do it. There's people behind me in line, but it was kind of slow because it's kind of like around 8.30. It's actually, it, that's a good kind of interesting question. I'm glad Sam's here. She can address this. Which I, is, I, I mean, that's like, wh- I, when like is a guy, I like a like large dead thing and a no, frosty no, no, and but, your phone number. No, but listen. In, is in it a, okay? I think it takes some time. Here's well, the in, thing. A, in a work environment where people are dealing with the public, yeah. that could be a pain in the ass. I'm going up there to get refills, and I don't want to look obvious. All right. Here's what I, okay, here's my advice, because I used to work at a Jamba Juice, okay, <laughs> back in high school. No wonder you love Rudy so much. And I love Rudy. And when I worked there. I'm going to get him in here, just to show that, you know, without Mike here, we still have Rudy coming around. Oh, good. Right. So there was one customer that kind of courted me. Okay. Through coming in and in and in, and I finally got to know him, and that's when he went in for the kill and asked to go so get he had coffee. To put in yeah, but work. you let that he happen. He put in work. But you let that happen. You know what I mean? You, you knew he was why he was hanging around, right? No, he would come in every day and get the same the strawberries what the, wild. What is the matter with women? Okay. What, why, why would and you not? I thought not, that was sweet that oh, he kicked off the strawberries okay, wild. Wait, 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 wait. Here's the real question. Here, Drew, here's the, here's the answer to this question. <laughs> yeah. If the girl's into him, if she finds him attractive physically. I did not. Okay. He can do it. He can do it. It doesn't matter if there's courting or not. The girl is deciding right away. If she's not into it? If she's not into it, she's maybe she could be convinced, but if she's into it right away, he could just go cold, right? Yeah. Like, if so a hot guy approaches you on the street and it's like, oh my gosh, you are so beautiful. I'm so sorry to, you know, be weird, but right. can I get your phone number? And you're, it, yes. you're melting. Yes. <laughs> but if it's a creep, if anyone else does that, oh my gosh, you're like, get so away from me. How does Joel decide which camp he's in? I mean. I'm definitely not a creep. I have an unusual look, but, you know, it's because I have long hair and a beard, but, you know. I'm well, definitely I'm, not a creep. I mean, I, I am, I'm educated and I have a good heart and a good sense of humor. I'm not trying to get in her pants. I really thought she was cute. Oh, put in the work. How, how, how about, okay, hang around a few times. And, and I would say, you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this, do not embarrass her by, by, by saying something in front of her empl- or her yeah. staff yes. and the others. Yeah. Slip her a note. Yeah. How about that? Oh, right? Incognito, Drew. Just like on, yes. on her, yeah, just, uh, just say, look, like, I've been here a bunch of times. Just on There's a possibility. Yes. Here's my number. Text me if you're interested. And then just leave it in her camp after that, okay? Just leave her a note, like maybe on a receipt, and just walk away. No, and, and but and the note, the, the key is the what you say in the note. It's something creative and cute, not just the name and number, but like maybe something funny and witty and not. And then and text me if you're interested. That's all. She's you not going to do it, no. Drew. She, I'm going to do. Oh, he's going to do it. I got a question. He's do what? It. What? You, you. what? Hey, Joel. Joel. That's me. What do you think of AFI? <laughs> he's not a fan. Honest, I was at Coachella and I was at a completely different stage when they played. I don't remember what the conflict was. I mean, I know AFI very well. I know you started in Berkeley. And, and, and like Davey Havoc, I'm also an atheist, so I'll give you props for that. But but you're not a fan. I'm not. I'm, I'm totally like indie rock, shoegazer, indie pop. I'm not I, really saying. Nothing. We I'm got not it. Really the screamo emo punk. But I was Whoa. Okay. I, now he's being insulting. Yeah. Cut that guy out. He's out of here. Now we got to get out of here. I'm insulting now too. Phone number one eight hundred. Until that. L O V E one nine one. Give us a call. We are taking your calls at time. Okay. So they didn't like having their music called screamo emo by Ken. So he was kind of passive, passively aggressively insulting the band the whole call. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, even they picked up on it, but they finally had enough of him. But as you heard, the topic he was calling about was a cashier at Wendy's in Northridge, California, which is in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, he thinks she's really cute, and he wants to 
hit on her, but he he doesn't know how to. Because you know, how, how do you transition from you know I'd like the number five combo to hey, can I have your phone number? When do you get off work here? Now it's interesting. Ken mentions Wendy's because I don't know how long ago this was. It was quite some time ago. Uh, there was a girl who worked at Wendy's in Las Vegas. I, I think it was the one in Flamingo. And I actually was single at the time. And she really seemed to be flirting with me. And I'm not the type of guy who every thinks like every girl's flirting with him. In fact, if anything, I, I tend to say, oh, she was probably just being friendly. Like I, I tend to say, no, she probably wasn't, even if they might have actually been. But this one, I was really getting the strong feeling, was flirting with me. And I briefly considered it, but and this is going to sound bad here, but I, it was because she worked at Wendy's that I chose not to pursue it. And, and the reason was, like, you know, she wasn't a teenager. I, obviously, she was, she was younger than me, but she wasn't, uh, like, a teenager. She was, like, like mid-20s or something. And I just thought, you know, she's at this point of her life, you know, 25 years old and is working at Wendy's, and I, I just don't think this is going to go anywhere. And, yeah, I mean, like, I, I thought she looked pretty good. And, you know, would I have been happy to have, like, a one-night stand with her? Yes, but, you know, I, I didn't want to lead her on or anything. I didn't want to try to use her for sex or something. If the, like, if that's all I wanted to go with it and she wanted more than that, like, I, I wouldn't have felt good about it. So I, I just said forget the whole thing. Like, I just, uh, I actually just put it out of my mind. In fact, I stopped even going to that Wendy's. Not not totally for that reason, but just, uh, uh, that was one of the reasons. I just kind of felt uncomfortable with the whole thing. So, I, I also had a, a similar situation <laughs> when I was 19, uh, back in 91, where, uh, at a KFC. And that one, the girl, like, that one I came in, I don't know, every week or so. And and boy, was that girl flirting hard with me. And I, I, I almost asked her out. I guess I, I was more willing to, to date the fast food type back then, especially because, you know, I was 19 then. And I think she was around there. So, you know, when you're 19 working in fast food, it's not as big of a deal. So I actually went back there. I got the balls up and said, you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to ask her for her phone number. I, I decided I'm going to do it. So I go in there and she's not there. So I said, all right, I'll come back. Came back the next week. She wasn't there. Then I started thinking, you know, how come every single time I came here during the day, I saw her and now like twice in a row, I haven't. So I asked one of the coworkers, hey, you know, whatever happened to whatever her name was and she quit. So (laughs) that was the end of that. So no, no KFC date for me. Did not find out if she was finger licking good. (laughs) But anyway, Ken wants to... Date this girl at Wendy's. Never seen her. He's seen her, but I have not seen her. And I'm going to uh, call up Wendy's and see if we can find her. By the way, uh, I see Hockey Guy is saying, I definitely lay the whopper to the redhead from their commercials. I don't know if you noticed this, but the redhead from the Wendy's commercials, who is a cute young girl and is supposed to kind of be like the girl from the Wendy's sign, uh, they also incorporate the real Wendy, who was the actual girl that they modeled after for the Wendy sign, who was the daughter of the founder of Wendy's, who was a little girl at the time and now is in her 50s. 
or I say somewhere around 50. I don't know her exact age. But anyway, uh, that cute little girl is not very attractive, even for someone like around 50. She, she's overweight. Or she just isn't that pretty. Like she, she just looks like, looks like a woman who just was like never that attractive. It looks like she probably peaked when she was seven. So the real redhead who they still feature in the commercials occasionally, because they still have her, they don't ever say that the cute young girl, the cute young redhead in the Wendy's commercials is supposed to be Wendy. They kind of imply it, but they never call her Wendy, and they never say anything to make it clear that she's Wendy. They just kind of want you to think that without them directly saying it because they don't want to insult the existing Wendy who's 50 and overweight and unattractive. They don't want to make it look like they're making her younger and prettier. S-Double saying the real Wendy is adopted. Well, okay, but what does that have to do with this? I'm not, I mean, the, the bottom line is she was cute on the sign when she was a little girl. I know that's like a cartoon version of her, but she was like a cute little girl who grew up into an adult that wasn't very attractive. And now the girl that is supposed to be the grown-up Wendy in the commercials is very cute and is what you would picture that young Wendy to have grown up to be. But they're careful not to say that is Wendy because they don't want you they don't want to insult the existing Wendy. It's really strange. Blubber Nuffle is, is insulted that I'm saying that she peaked when she was seven. I don't mean sexually peaked. I just mean the, the peak of good looks. You know, you have a point in your life. Everybody has a point in their life where they're at their very best looking stage in their life. And that's when your peak is. As far as physical attractiveness is. Even ugly people have a peak where they look their best. Even beautiful people have a peak where they look their best and then are not as good-looking as they once were. So some people really do peak as kids where they're very cute kids, and then as an adult just aren't good-looking at all anymore. And you have others that are not very attractive kids that actually grow up to be very good-looking. Or even people who are not very attractive adults that somehow don't age very much physically, at least from their appearance, and, you know... 30 years later look very similar to what they did when they were 25 and suddenly when they're 55 they look good for someone who's 55 so it's all over the place let's try to call uh... well I'm really outraging the chat they're saying I'm a pedophile that's official Why? hockey guy saying he agrees this is bad gotta watch what I say on here it's, it's also recorded too like you know whatever I say gets recorded and comes in the archives and I, I guess I could edit it out but it's some of you may have already captured this. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, so I had the I had the Wendy's Northridge number up, and then I lost it. Here we are. I'm going to try to call the Wendy's Northridge. I know no more about this than you do. Ken did not give me any help on this. He doesn't know I'm doing it. He won't mind if I'm doing it, but he doesn't know I'm doing it. So, therefore, I know nothing, and therefore, I may completely fail on this one. But I will try to explain to them what's going on. I'm going to ask them if they've heard this Love Line segment or heard of it and then try to find what girl they're talking about and see what she thinks of Ken and see if I can hook them up. I'm really going to try this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make fun of Ken or, or try to make him sound bad. I'm going to really try to make this one happen. I'm going to sing the praises of Ken Scaler on this call if I can reach her. Wendy's so flashing, how much time I have you? Yeah, hi. Um, 
This is going to sound a little bit strange, but uh, did you hear the Loveline segment from eight days ago where this Wendy's was mentioned? No, any idea. Okay, let me tell you what happened. Uh, the nationally syndicated show Loveline with Dr. Drew, uh, a gentleman called up the show and said that he had a big crush on one of the cashiers here at Wendy's. And he wants to figure out how he can ask her out, but uh, doesn't know like how to do it. He feels a little bit shy about the whole thing. Uh, now, first of all, uh, I, I want to describe the person kind of who he's, he's talking about and see maybe if you, you know who she is. Uh, um, this is a, a girl who works as a cashier here at Wendy's, at this particular Wendy's. And, uh, and she's a, uh, a white girl, a Caucasian girl. Uh, and she's, i say, you know, in her 20s. Uh, do you know, I know it's not very descriptive, but do you know who I could possibly be talking about? Um, no idea, because we don't have the, um, the white girls cashiers over here. No, you don't have any white girl cashiers over here. No, we right. don't. We have none. You have no white girls here. Oh, boy. I, maybe I'm no, calling no. the wrong one. Is there another Wendy's in Northridge? Maybe, yeah. There are a lot. I don't know if it's in Northridge, but it's in Tampa and a white old store. Yeah, because okay. We don't have no white girls over here. No white girls here at this Wendy's. Okay. I'm going to try I'm going to try to call up and um see if I can reach. Well, let me just make sure the guy who comes in uh, who I'm talking about because I, I got a picture of him. Uh he is um he's in his 40s. He has long hair and um you know, he has a a beard. Do you know who I'm talking about or not? And what happened with him? Uh, nothing happened. He just has a crush on one of the girls who's a cashier there. And he called into Loveline. Oh, oh no. You don't oh, know yeah. him? No, because we don't have girls cashiers. We have men. And the only girl we have a cashier that goes on the drive-thru. And that is oh, okay. Girl. All right, I must have the wrong Wendy's, but thank you for your help here. Yeah. Thank You're you. You're welcome. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I don't know. Either uh, either Ken Scaler walked through the drive-thru or maybe it's a gay crush he's not telling me about. No, I don't think so. I think I have the wrong Wendy's. I doubt he's making up the story. He, he doesn't do things like that. He doesn't just make stuff up like this. Like, if he were to make it up, he would just say, I have a crush on a girl at Wendy's. He wouldn't say Wendy's in Northridge. If he says Wendy's in Northridge, he means Wendy's in Northridge. The question is, which Wendy's in Northridge? I, I picked the most likely candidate. I think it's so funny. There's no white girls working there. I don't know that she's white. It's just that's really Ken's primary taste is white girls. I, I don't think that like a Hispanic girl, even a very attractive one, would affect him enough to call up Loveline and talk about her. It's possible, but like uh, it just—it's always been white girls that have really gotten his attention for things like this. That's why I said she's white. And he also has a big thing about girls being under thirty. So there's no way she's over thirty. Not that she likely would be anyway, but. Let me go to, uh, let's see what else. I have Wendy's Northridge West. That's the one we just called. Um, now, they're all the same Wendy's on Devonshire. I'm going to have to ask Ken when I talk to him next. I was hoping to locate this Wendy's, but like... All the Wendy's I see in Northridge are this Wendy's. 
on Devonshire in Northridge. So I don't know what he's talking about. Unless he just completely made it up. Unless he had just like gone to Wendy's to eat and just wanted an excuse to call into Loveline and mess with AFI. So maybe he just made that up. I'm going to have to ask him about this one. That's kind of disappointing. I, th- I thought maybe, you know, the girl wouldn't be there or there would be several white girls that work there who it could be. Not that there would be like zero white girls and that everyone who's a cashier there at the, you know, walk-up restaurant is a dude. <laughs> that really narrows it down. Narrows it down to zero. S double asking in chat, are you going to pay for the date for Broke Ken? No, you know, Ken can save up his money. He has a job and he does other things. And yeah, he, he by no means has a lot of money, but his biggest problem for the date is having no car. That's that's his biggest problem. When you're 44 years old and you have no car, you know, what are you going to do? Take them on the bus? I mean, it's a killer. I've tried to tell him that. Well, We'll have to figure this out further. We're going to have to figure this out further. Yeah, we can't call Ken. Someone asking Chaz to call him. He has no, he has no phone. Ken has no license either. So not just no car, he has no driver's license. All right. Uh, if Ken happens to call me during the show, I'll put him on here and we'll get to the bottom of this. Otherwise, otherwise we're going to, have to move on. 775-FRAUD55, 775-372-8355 is the phone number. Well, let's talk about what happened on Carbon Poker. Talked about it a bit in the intro to the show. And I mean, I I would be beside myself if this happened, where you have pocket queens in a tournament, you go all in, you're up against jacks, you blink, and the queens turn into eights, and you lose and you bust. And you would just be feeling like you're going crazy. You would think, what the hell? Did this really just happen? Or did I imagine I had queens? I have had it before when I've played poker where I get tired and I get confused. And even though strategically I'm still playing pretty well, I'll sometimes get confused and remember the hand before and think that's my current hand. I once shot off money like an idiot, where I thought I had the nut flush, and I'm going raise, 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 and then I show down jack high, no draw at the end, and the guy can't believe it. Uh, the reason was that I had remembered the previous hand where I had like ace-nine suited, and then the next hand is actually where I got the, the suits I needed and had the flush, but it was a hand apart. So in reality, I just had jack high and looked like a moron. So, uh, I mean, that's happened to me, not very often, but it's happened from being really tired. No, I don't, I don't do drugs. It was really just from being tired. But uh, can you imagine? You know, you're not doing drugs. You're not tired. You're sure you're going all in with queens, and then they, they become eights? Well, this really happened. This really happened, and it's a, a very ugly situation over on Carbon Poker. And it yet, once again, underscores the risk of playing on these unregulated sites because when you get screwed this way, there's really no one to complain to. You can take it public, but ultimately whatever you get is what the site chooses to give you in a situation like this. 
So um, this is what someone wrote, and this is after there had been some discussion on 2 Plus 2 about this. Someone created a new thread on 2 Plus 2 in their news views gossip section saying, I'm creating this thread in an effort to more widely publicize the issues that Carbon has had over the last week. On Sunday night, and this is referring to this Sunday, the one that just passed two days ago, the 23rd of November, during the end of the Carbon OPS tournament series, the Carbon servers had severe issues. Many players were disconnected from the server, and some of the players locked back in to find that they were in control of other players' accounts. What? What? <laughs> you get disconnected, you come back, you're somebody else. You think, what the hell? Am I, do I have schizophrenia or something? Am I hallucinating? Do I have multiple personalities? Am I a secret Z-Justin and don't realize it? While logged into the wrong account, the players had full control. They could play hands and view personal information such as address and last four of credit card. I think it's important for all Carbon players to see this and check their balance for signs of change. Because he's saying, you know, if you were on someone else's account because of this happening, you could go in and play as them and lose money. (laughs) You can go play other games and lose. I think it's important for all Carbon players to see this and check their balance. So far, I am not aware of any official public communication from Carbon. The posted communications from support haven't shed any light as to the possible issue or solution. So this is pretty bad. And um, Carbon still has not made a statement about this. Uh, Carbon has agreed privately with certain players that there were server issues which basically put a stop to the tournament. But that's very different than this. And um, you know, there were some people who were very deep in the tournament that were standing to win a lot of money. And they were given as compensation for not being able to complete the tournament because of this issue, a whopping $60. (laughs) So uh, this is pretty bad. And uh, people complained. People made a big deal about this to Carbon. They obviously got a ton of emails about this. People were very upset. Uh, Carbon then had to deal with the huge influx of emails. They don't have the staff to do it, to be honest. And the staff they do have doesn't have any power. They, most of their staff are just you know, lowly paid foreign reps that uh, probably in the Philippines or something that just answer from a template. And those are the people who probably you know, issued the $60 that they were empowered to give. Um, but uh, there is a small happy ending to this whole matter. And I still haven't heard if anybody... Some people are claiming that they see a little money being gone from their account, but I, I don't know if you can believe them or if they're just making this up or, or or just remember wrong what they had in their account. But it's very possible someone you know played as them. Like, this is very bad. Like, think if somebody comes on as you on your poker account. You know, they could dump money to their friends or whatever. And they could even claim they didn't know what they were doing. They could claim, hey, I, I thought I was on my own account. I didn't realize this. So there was a guy who posted in this uh, 2 plus 2 thread named Lechaim18, probably a Jew. And Lechaim18 was the only one to report that he got something good 
because he complained after they gave him this lousy uh, $60, which wasn't even $60, $60 tournament ticket they gave him. And he got really mad because he was very deep in the event and said, hey, I, I deserve a lot more than that. Way, way more than that. I was deep in the event. I had a lot of chips. I was in good position to win here. You can't just give me 60 bucks for it. It's a, you know, uh, it was a, first of all, it was a $530 buy-in event. So $60 doesn't even make sense. If I paid 530 to enter, why, why not refund the 530 at the very least? So um, I, I guess the tournament didn't completely shut down. The tournament completed, but it just got disrupted badly by this. So people lost hands and uh, people lost chips, whatever it was. Or maybe they blinded out because they couldn't reconnect. It was chaos after that. So I guess this Lakayam, either from blinding out or or missing hands and still being able to play, he did cash for $2,100 in the tournament. But he still said, hey, I want more. I should have cashed a lot more uh, until this happened. I was doing very well. So they said to him, after evaluating your case, we have determined that you should be compensated for the inconvenience you experienced during the 75K guaranteed $5-$130 main event tournament that took place this Sunday. We removed the $60 entry coupon you originally received and added its cash value to the compensation we agree, we believe is fair for a total credit of 1500 in cash. Please note that you also earned $2,104.50 from this tournament, which means you received a total of $3,604.50 for this event. So basically, they calculated his equity at the point when this happened, determined it was about 1500 bucks, and added that to what his payout was. And Chaim actually revealed that he felt it was fair. So... At least Carbon did this for someone, and maybe they're going to do it for more people. At least they, at least in this case, they calculated the guy's likely equity in the tournament and then gave it to him out of their own pockets. You know, the difference between what he cashed and and uh, what they felt his equity was. They must have figured his equity was around thirty six hundred dollars, and he already cashed for twenty one hundred, so they gave him another fifteen hundred. Uh, the problem is that Carbon, unlike Poker Stars, does not have uh, a bottomless pit from which to draw from as far as compensating players. Carbon does not make enough money to hand out large payments to people who got screwed here. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but that unfortunately plays into what they decide to give. So I think in this case, Chaim, I don't know what place he was in when this happened, but uh, with him, they must have felt it was egregious enough to where they gave him some compensation. I have a feeling most other people are going to get the big middle finger from them and not get paid for their equity. Or if they do get paid, it'll probably be underpaid. So, I mean, good for Chaim here. But uh, for everybody else... uh, I haven't seen anyone else report that they got anything. This is, this is what L'Chaim said. This is his initial report about it. I had the same issue. I was 4 out of 14 left with 260K and came back with 210K at 510 at, at uh, higher blinds in the 500. Imagine if this were a live tournament. You come back to the table, your 25% of your chips are gone. After sending emails to Carbon, 
It was really, uh, it was really thoughtful and offered me conversation too. This is a quick note to inform you that we refunded a $60 coupon for the game issues and we apologize for the inconvenience. <laughs> so here he was fourth out of 14 in this big tournament, lost 25% of his chips from this matter. And they gave him $60 back in a $530 buy-in tournament. I mean, how can they even do that? How is Carbon so stupid that when a major thing like this happens, why don't they shut down their monkey customer service reps in the third world and say, wait a minute, guys, don't answer these. Let management handle this. And then, like, intelligently evaluate the situation. Why let the the non-empowered monkeys in the third world handle this? And I, I'm calling them monkeys, by the way, not to be racist, but just to refer to them as people who are not empowered and uh, don't directly work for the company and don't know very much and don't understand how to handle matters like these. I call them monkeys because they're about as useful as a trained monkey would be. So that's not who should be handling requests like this. So no word what they're going to do for anyone that may have lost money from anyone who went into cash games and played under others' accounts. But uh, it also allows people to figure out who each other are. So if you happen to be put on an account of someone who you know on there, but you say, hey, I wonder who this guy really is in real life, then you can go take a look, which... You know, that's not, that's not the worst thing because the chance of you ending up on an account of someone that you really want to know about is pretty small. And even if you find out who it is, it's not the end of the world, but it's another issue. The bigger issue is that uh, you're on somebody's account and you can lose their money. Like, let's say somebody had 100K in their account and shot it all off. Or, the, you know, the person who got on their account shot it all off. Would Carbon give them back their 100K? What would they do? I don't know. Carbon can't uh, afford to give high compensation like that. So I'd watch out with Carbon. Uh, There hasn't been any kind of major scandal with them. Back when they had a lot of other skins on the network, they screwed their skins, including Hero Poker, which is well-known in this community. They got screwed by Carbon. So I wouldn't trust them too much. I would much more recommend playing on Bovada if you're in the U.S., even though they have those anonymous tables. It's a bigger site, and they they have an overall better record with basically everything, with payouts, with customer services. Even though their customer service isn't very good, it's, it's still better than merges, merge being carbon. And basically Bovada has operated since the year 2000, as Bodog and Bovada, with no scandals. Unless you want to count the accusation by bad guy that they cheated him. (laughs) But I, I would stay away. I mean, this is not just like being disconnected during a tournament. This isn't like a tournament crashing. This is, uh, people taking over others' accounts. And, you know, this 50K that disappeared from Lachayim's account, either someone else played his stack and lost it, or he just blinded out for a long time. But I think the blinds were only like 2K, 4K, or 3K, 6K. So 
you know, how do you lose 50K unless you've been out for a long time? How long did he say he was out there? Let me see. Yeah, he doesn't say. He doesn't say how long he was out. But I have a feeling someone, you know, got put on his account temporarily and lost some of the chips. They're like, oh, sweet. <laughs> Here I am with uh, fourth place chips in this event. Wow, cool. Watch out for carbon. Definitely don't leave too much money on there. I I don't think I trust that place anymore. It's good they're doing something about this, but, uh, I mean, how does this even happen? This is, this is much worse than a crash or a freeze or a, a software issue that, you know, you can't act or something I, or you can't connect. I mean, this is really bad to where you come back as other people. Your whole cards change. I don't know if the guy who had his queens turn into eights, I don't know if he became someone else. or It doesn't sound like it, though, because he went all in. So if he went all in and became someone else, then he probably would not have been at a different table all in. Like, ask someone else all in. It's possible, but I don't think so. I guess it's possible that at the moment he got disconnected and reconnected, that he took over somebody else who's going all with the eights. But I believe he saw the other person call with jacks. I don't know. I think his cards just changed because of this whole weird thing going on there. And I'm telling you, from the point of view of a programmer, which is what I originally was, that was my original career, I don't even understand how this could happen in this fashion. It just doesn't make sense to me. But it did. It, it, it happened. It's not a very big vote of confidence for the carbon poker system. You have to wonder what other flaws and maybe vulnerabilities it has. You know, we've had super user scandals where the insiders to the company purposely program something in there or take advantage of a feature to look at your whole cards. But we have not known of any instances since it happened on Planet Poker where someone just did it to prove they could and then revealed it without ever taking advantage of it. And that was back in like 99. In the last 15 years, we haven't heard of a single instance where someone hacked a poker site and could see people's cards. But it's possible. And if any site would be a target for that, I think it would be Merge after what we saw here. Pretty bad. $5 asking in chat, could there have been a backdoor to the system? I don't think that's what happened here. Hockey guy is suggesting that maybe the guy with the Queen's went all in and then didn't notice he got moved to another table where eights, you know, somebody else's eights were all in against somebody else with jacks. It's possible. Well, I see in chat that S double is asking, what is a super user? And I'm sure he knows what a super user really is, but or maybe he's asking me from the, uh, the computer science standpoint. And in fact, I'm going to get into that because uh, some of you might not know that the term super user in reference to poker cheating, in reference to being able to see people's cards, their whole cards while you're playing poker, the inventor of the term super user to describe that is none other than me. Now, this is not a moment, this is not an Al Gore moment 
where I'm taking credit for something that I didn't really do. If you go take a look on 2 plus 2 and search for poker and super user and find the very earliest mention of the word super user in relation to poker cheating scandals, you will see it came from Dan Druff. The reason I called it a super user is a term I just translated over from uh, computer science. Uh, the super user, from a computer science standpoint, is a user on a system with the highest level of access. Basically, the user who can access everything and do everything. It's also known as root on Unix or Linux systems. That's what a super user is from a computer science standpoint. From a computer science standpoint, the super user is nothing scandalous. Every system uh, that has multiple users has a super user or administrator. It has to. But uh, I refer to it as a super user when I was when I had some evidence, but no conclusive evidence at the time, that there was someone at Absolute Poker who could see hole cards. And that cheating had occurred, and of course it really did occur, it really was going on. But the first person to ever call it a super user was me, and the term caught on. I don't even like saying this, that I was the one who brought that term into poker, because if I say it, people laugh at me. They think I'm being Al Gore, they think I'm claiming I created the internet. They say, hey, super user, that term existed before you were born. So how can you say you invented it? But that's, I don't mean I invented the term super user. I mean I took the term super user to poker, and I was the first one ever to use it. And the Internet Archive has backed me up. But I'm not doing this to brag here. Uh, hockey guy saying, hey, search poker on 2 plus 2. I'm sure you'll get a few hits. If you Google and type in super user and poker and then filter it by date, I mean there's a way to do it. Haley Hintz actually went back and did it because I, I told Haley Hintz this and she wasn't, I mean, she didn't doubt me, but she wanted to verify that it was true. And she, she verified it, yeah. I think it was September 16th, 2007 that I referred to it as a super user. Anyway, um, the reason I'm bringing this up, not just because S Double mentioned it in chat, is that we now have official statements from the New Jersey Department of Gaming Enforcement using the term super user in reference to poker cheating. So now it's actually made it into uh, the official U.S. regulatory process. That's, that's one mark I've made on the world. If I was never born, people would not be calling it a super user. David Reebuck, of the head of the Department of Gaming Enforcement in New Jersey, would not be talking about super users right now. Seriously. But uh, let me get to this story. Jim Ryan was the CEO of UB, also known as Ultimate Bet, during the cheating that took place there from 2002 to 2007. I was cheated there. There's no doubt in my mind. I had much worse results on Ultimate Poker, on Ultimate Poker, Ultimate Bet during those years than I did on any other site. I lost a lot of money there, and I couldn't figure out why. 
I I don't remember the exact figure, but I lost uh, I lost over two hundred thousand on that site overall. I could not figure out why I could not win there. I can't say for sure because I don't have the histories. I don't have the hand histories, but uh, I I think a lot of that came from the super. I think the super users stole a lot from me. I can never prove it. A lot of other limit hold'em players complained that they had terrible results over there and they never got any refunds. I got a $2,000 refund, which is tiny compared to the levels I was playing there. I was playing as high as 300, 600 back then. $2,000 is less than one hand at 300, 600. But most limit players there got nothing. Well, Jim Ryan, who was the CEO during that time, he wasn't uh, the one directly cheating people, to my knowledge. That was Russ Hamilton and maybe some others. But uh, Jim Ryan either knew about it and was okay with it, or at the very least helped cover it up once he became aware and was thought to have been instrumental in the process of underpaying people like me who had been cheated. Now, this is not even speculation about Jim Ryan specifically it is, but uh, he was the CEO. But there is a recording of a meeting that we've played before on the show. I played last year, which was provided to me by uh, Travis McCarr, who used to work there and used to work for Russ Hamilton. A recording of a meeting where they were discussing how to get away with paying the lowest amount of money and still make it appear like they've made it right. Basically, a discussion on how to underpay everyone and make it look like they've compensated the victims. Discussing who would be more likely to make noise if they didn't get the money. So it looked like that one of the strategies they used was to underpay the limit players. Because the no limit players were higher profile and uh, they figured they, since there was less evidence of cheating at the limit games that they could just not pay those people. Or severely underpay them. And the way they did underpay them was by hiding the existence of certain super users. Or by taking out some of the hand histories that existed for these super users that were known and underpaying people that way. But anyway, Jim Ryan definitely has his hands very dirty. He was the CEO for all five or six years that this went on at UB, all the cheating. That it was assumed to have been about $25 million worth of cheating on UB. Where basically they looked at your whole cards and clobbered you because you are at such a disadvantage you basically can't win. Jim Ryan was the CEO during all that. There's no way that he could have known nothing. And there's no way that after the fact that he made every effort to make everybody fully get paid because they didn't. So his hands are very dirty here and he really has no place anywhere in poker. Or he should have no place. He does have a place, but he shouldn't. He should not be in poker. He should be out. He should not have any job at any legitimate poker company, online or otherwise, ever again. In fact, he should be in jail. But he got a job somehow at BWIN Party a number of years ago. But they weren't serving U.S. players at the very least. But now he wants in to the New Jersey online poker market. And online gaming market, not just poker, but they have everything there. They have they don't have sports, but they have poker and they have casino games in New Jersey online. 
So Jim Ryan, unfortunately, looked like that he was approved to be a licensed member of the legalized online poker industry in New Jersey. That uh, he left B-Win Party basically because uh, he didn't want his presence there complicating their ability to enter the U.S. But he joined Pala Interactive, which is the gaming company that operates under the Pala tribe in California that wants to get into online gaming, not just in California, but elsewhere. Uh, He got involved there, and it looked like that he was going to get a license to operate in New Jersey. Uh, This is a memo, and I've read it before on this show, that was dated October 16th, 2014. And while it does not mention Jim Ryan specifically, uh, it talks about how the Division of Gaming Enforcement has completed its review uh, to conduct internet, uh, or the company that seeks authorization to conduct internet gaming related to business transactions between uh, Borgata, Hotels, Casino, and Spa, and Pala Interactive LLC, applicant for an internet casino service enterprise license. So basically, Pala Interactive was going to provide the games for the Borgata in Atlantic City. And Jim Ryan, who had joined Pala Interactive, was looking to get approved to do that. And... He is the head of Paula Interactive. So Paula Interactive was approved in mid-October of this year. And everyone was pissed off. This meant that Jim Ryan was there. That the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement was so much in the Borgata's pocket that they decided to overlook whatever the issues were with Jim Ryan from the past. But maybe not. Over a month later, it looks like there's a hitch in the whole thing. And this has to do with Jim Ryan specifically. The poker community actually had some effect on the matter. While Paula Interactive itself has been approved by the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement, Jim Ryan himself has not been approved. He does not have a license to work in that industry in New Jersey. And New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement head, the director, David Reebuck, said this. He said, please be advised that I have made the decision to make this correspondence public to provide some clarity in respect to the division's actions to date. As the director of the division, it is my responsibility to protect the integrity of casino gaming in New Jersey, both in its operation and suitability to the, of those individuals involved in its management. So he, he's the head of gaming in New Jersey for both online and live. He's the head of gaming there. He's the one you complain to if there's a problem with any casino in New Jersey. He's a powerful guy. He writes, I take that responsibility seriously. The super user scandal involving Ultimate Bet raised serious issues about the operation and regulation of online gaming, and questions have surfaced as to whether certain senior executives at Pala, including yourself, this is to Jim Ryan, 
have been involved in that matter. As you have been advised, additional investigation regarding that and other matters will continue to be examined by the division before it renders a final licensing decision on Paula and his qualifiers. Consistent with all cases before its division, its investigation will be comprehensive, impartial, and based upon facts, not speculation. So I I, I actually thought that they had approved uh, Paula from that previous document. Maybe they haven't even fully approved them yet. Maybe it's a conditional uh, approval. But whatever it is, uh, this was released publicly. It was like an open letter to Jim Ryan saying, I heard some shady things about you. I heard some stories I don't like. And before we license you, before you're going to participate in our market, we're going to look into this. And if we don't like what we find, guess what? You're not getting licensed. And I hope that's what happens. So thank you to anybody who went to the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement and contacted them and expressed concern about Jim Ryan. Because you have had an effect. This is a direct result of people expressing concern to the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement about Jim Ryan. They didn't find this on their own. Poker players went to them and said, we don't like this. I was really afraid they were going to sweep this under the rug. I was afraid that uh, the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement didn't care about online poker stuff from the old days. That it was too complicated for them to learn and understand and it didn't directly affect them, so F it. But no, it seems like they care. Or at least there's been enough outrage about this that they don't want to ignore it. So I hope David Rebuck does the right thing and tells Jim Ryan to get the hell out of his state. Jim Ryan should not be licensed to work anywhere in legalized online poker. Now, here's some other interesting things that came out. When testifying in front of the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement, Jim Ryan testified that UB refunded $14.65 million to players from the cheating scandal. Now, they had previously indicated years ago that they gave back $22 million. So, surprise, surprise, they lied. And uh, most people who are familiar with the situation assume about... $25 $25 million was actually stolen. That we'll never have an exact figure. So this would add even more evidence to the pile that people were underpaid as far as refunds were concerned, that basically $25 million was stolen, or if you want to take the 22 number they gave at UB themselves, and that only $14.65 million was given back to players, which only a little bit more than half. So I think I was a... I was one of the people they didn't pay the way they should have, and I'm furious about this, as I have been for years since this happened. So that's the first interesting thing, the first claim that they've only given $14.65 million to players when they claimed $22 million all this time. And uh, This is from the CEO himself. Who knows if they even gave that much. Also, it has come out that Phil Ivey is no longer associated with Paula Interactive. Uh, According to the testimony there, the association they had ended in June with no further explanation. Now, 
some people assumed that Ivy was going to not be part of the Poly Interactive brand anymore once he had his problems with the Borgata, with the, with the edge-sorting-related lawsuit that he has. Uh, very similar to what happened in Crockford's, but kind of the reverse. In Crockford's, he was suing them to get the money back that they confiscated from him, from the edge-sorting thing at, uh, at Punto Banco. At the Borgata, uh, he, they are suing him to get back money he was paid in Baccarat for the same thing, the edge-sorting. So it was th- thought that if Pala Interactive is providing the games for Borgata, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the guy that the Borgata is suing to be representing the company. Even if he's representing Poly Interactive and not Borgata, it just didn't make sense. So uh, it was assumed that that's the reason in June that their association ended. But wait, but wait, something's weird here. And I, I can't figure this out. Maybe some of you in the chat can help me. On November 19th, which is obviously far after June, but you know around the same time that Jim Ryan testified that Ivy is not part of Pala Interactive. Phil Ivy tweeted the following. Congrats to Pala Casino Online for going live in my home state of New Jersey. Great site. Check it out at palacasino.com. So this was uh, an eight-hour soft launch on the 19th. That was... uh, Actually, it was on the 17th, I guess. Eight days ago And it was a testing pool of 500 players And um, it's it's going to open I think maybe has opened already by now Eight days later But uh, it was like a soft launch But uh, in 2013 Phil Ivey signed a deal to become the brand ambassador Of Paola Interactive But then Jim Ryan Testified that he was not Part of Paola Interactive anymore As of June But now it seems like he is Otherwise I can't see him Shilling for that site at this point Weird Very weird Does does anyone in the chat have any ideas what's going on? Anyone? Anyone? Does anybody in the chat have any idea Does Ivy represent them or not? It's really, really weird Let's see See what the chat room has to uh, say about this matter. Uh... Crickets. Well, JSTAT is saying Ivy was canned from Paula. Well, why is he promoting their site then on November 19th? Just to be nice? Like, you think if he got fired in June that he wouldn't be saying, hey, go play at the Paula Casino. That doesn't sound like the Ivy I know to be promoting things that are not paying him anymore. Unless he just joined them again. It's so weird. So... Yeah, David Reebok referring to the super user in the letter, the open letter to Jim Ryan. My term. My mom's going to be so proud. All right, so let's talk about the sports betting effort 
the legalization effort for sports betting in New Jersey. It's our third New Jersey topic in case you're counting. Third out of five. If you hate New Jersey, then this is not the show for you. It is illegal to bet on sports anywhere in the U.S. aside from Nevada. To bet on sports legally, you have to be physically standing in the state of Nevada. And you have to do it at a licensed casino or through an app that is associated with a licensed casino. You can't just bet anywhere with anyone in Nevada. Now you might wonder, how come this is a situation? How come that uh, there's casino gaming in many, many states? There's poker in many, many states. You can play slot machines, you can play blackjack. How come no sports betting? How come that's only in Nevada? What's so special about Nevada that gets it? Why hasn't New Jersey started to offer sports betting? Why can't they? Why are they inferior to Nevada? Well, there is a law passed in 1992 called the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, also known as PASPA. That's the acronym. Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, PASPA. It's passed in 1992, and it prohibits all forms of sports betting in the U.S. except in licensed casinos in Nevada, with exceptions also carved out for what are called sports lotteries, whatever those are, in Oregon, Delaware, and Montana. For the other 46 states and the District of Columbia and U.S. territories, it is illegal to make or accept sports bets. And that's a federal law passed in 92. Now, New Jersey actually had an opportunity in 1993 to take advantage of a one-year window in this law that was passed in 92 that said states which operated licensed casino gaming for the previous 10-year period can pass laws permitting sports wagering in their state. So, basically, if you had been operating licensed casinos in your state since at least 1982 at the time, or I guess 1983, uh, you had a chance to pass sports betting-related laws during that one-year period. And if you did that, then you could have legal sports betting in your state, too. So had New Jersey acted upon that, had New Jersey said, okay, yes, we're going to write laws regarding sports betting, then they could have, and it would have been legal there just as it is in Nevada. And this would all be a non-issue. We would have had for the last 19 years, or sorry, 21 years, we would have sports betting legally in New Jersey. But for whatever reason, New Jersey stupidly did not act upon this opportunity. They let it pass by, and therefore, they are now screwed in relation to getting sports betting in that state. They had a year to do it. They didn't bother. It was too late. The window closed. So, 
Over the last few years, they realized, especially with Atlantic City struggling the way it is, they need the additional revenue, and they have been looking for ways to get around this PASPA law and get sports betting in the state, and they thought they had found a way, and they were set to start offering sports betting at certain casinos. But... U.S. District Judge Michael Shipp issued a temporary, a temporary restraining order against the casinos trying to offer sports betting while he further evaluated the situation and the objections to them offering sports betting from the five major leagues in the U.S. And that is Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, National Football League, uh, National Hockey League and the NCAA, the college sports. They all objected to this. The NBA has since backed off and actually said, hey, we're actually okay with sports betting. I think because they believe it will increase in- interest in their games. But anyway, U.S. District Judge Michael Ship has now changed the temporary restraining order into a permanent injunction and there will be no sports betting in New Jersey he's basically saying no your interpretation of PASPA is incorrect if you offer sports betting it is violating that law that we passed in 92 no way around that you're screwed not going to happen Should have done it back in 93 when you had a chance. Now it's too late. So that's what Michael Shipp, U.S. District Judge, is saying to New Jersey. And New Jersey now is not allowed to offer sports betting. They are planning to appeal Michael Shipp's ruling, but this will take about eight months to do. And even then there's a good chance that the appeal will be denied. So at the very minimum, it'll be eight months until you can bet legally on sports in New Jersey, and very possibly you will never be able to, or if not never, not for a long time. Personally, I think it should be allowed. I think it's ridiculous that one state can do it and the other 49 cannot. Or I guess 46 can't at all, and the other three can have these weird sports lotteries. I don't understand why certain states should get favoritism. I would understand a complete federal ban on it. I wouldn't agree with it, but I'd understand it. I would understand a blanket allowal of all states to determine their own laws on the matter. That's what I think should be happening. I think each state should, it should be up to them if they want to offer sports betting. Just like it's up to each state if they want to offer any other form of gambling. But for some reason, Nevada gets the favoritism. Nevada, they get to do it. Nobody else does. I can't even think of anything else in this country where the federal government says, one state can do this, the rest of you can't. I cannot think of anything. Maybe in, maybe in the chat room someone can tell me, but I cannot think of a, a single situation. Not a single one other than this. Where the federal government says, 
only one state is allowed to do such and such. Now, there are some things where one state will choose to do something, and the other 49 will say, no, we won't. But I've never seen it where the federal government dictates which state can do things, and the other 49 can't. It's odd. It doesn't make any sense. It, it almost seems like a violation of states' rights. Crow <laughs> Diddley saying in chat, it's almost like gambling is a Nevada religion. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're recognizing the religion of gambling in Nevada. CL Crew 02, the guy who donated uh, $10 on the bounty on himself tonight, said that uh, he saw Phil Ivey around Paula. When did you see him? When did you see him at Paula? That would maybe answer whether or not he's still working for them. The Paula Casino is right by Harris Rincon, also known as Harris Resort, Southern California, in northern San Diego County. They're like a few miles from each other. That's where Paula is. S-Double asking me, how about weed? No, the federal government doesn't say certain states can legalize weed and certain ones can't. Uh, The federal government does try to stand in the way of any states doing it. But uh, they're not picking and choosing states they think should be able to legalize marijuana. Crow Diddley, very proud that he got both mentioned on this show and got a laugh track for something he said. Banner night for him. So CL Crew saying that Phil Ivey made an appearance at Paula about six months ago. They had a signing and they tried to host a tournament around him. He said tried to host a tournament. It's probably a big failure. But yeah, six months ago, that'd be before June. Jay Stats saying Ivy's probably Baccarat edge sorting at Paula. That'd be funny if he was edge sorting at the place that was sponsoring him. <laughs> CL Crew saying the Ivy poker tournament there was a big failure. Epic fail, he says. Matos asking in chat, why does Sheldon Adelson hate medical marijuana? I, I don't know why. I haven't seen his position on it. But I can tell you, I think medical marijuana is stupid because it's a fraud. A very, 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 very high percentage of people who have medical marijuana cards, who receive medical marijuana legally, do not use it for medicinal purposes, nor do they have a need for marijuana medically. These are people who make up phony problems and go to doctors that specialize in giving people cards for phony problems. There's actually doctors now in places like California Uh, who their entire practice is having people visit them, make up a completely preposterous health problem, and rubber stamp them a medical marijuana card. So you may say, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that? It's stupid. It's, you know, no matter where you are on the medical marijuana debate or on the legalization of marijuana debate, whatever law they're going to pass, it should be, what it's intended to do. If they only want to legalize medical marijuana, they need to have very strict controls of what it can be used for and what it can't be used for. You can't just walk in and say, hey, my back hurts and get a prescription for marijuana if they really want serious medical marijuana in the state. If they want medical marijuana to be a stand-in for legalization, 
well, that's what we actually have. But if that's the case, then they should put a full legalization on the ballot and have the people vote for it. There shouldn't be this, I'll vote for it if it's medical only, and then have it operate as if it's full legalization. That's being dishonest with the people. So whatever the will of the people says is fine, but it has to be what the people are actually voting for. Not a bastardized form of it, which is what it is. So, I don't want to go on a whole weed topic, but uh, someone mentioned it in chat. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the Ravel Casino, our fourth New Jersey topic for the night. The Ravel Casino, speaking of epic fails, I mean, that was a gigantic failure. $2.6 billion was put into building this beautiful property. And I'm not being sarcastic here. It really is a beautiful property. And everybody who goes there will tell you it's a beautiful property. So why was it a big failure? It was a beautiful property, but a very confusing and poorly designed property. It's one that you just didn't enjoy being there because uh, it wasn't laid out very well. It was a mess. Before I get further into this, let's take a phone call. Caller, you on the air. Hello? Yes. What's up, God? So who's calling? Who's this? This is Sean. Who is it? Sean, UGA. Oh, UGA. Oh, hi. How are you doing? What's going on? Um... Just got knocked out of the damn tournament. <laughs> At least it wasn't by me this time. Right. I turned the damn uh, nut flush and the board paired on the river to put, put me out. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I feel very bad for uh, you know, your predicament with uh, the stroke and everything, but uh, nobody on this radio show wants to hear bad beef stories. <laughs> So, oh, I understand. <laughs> so, okay, but no, I I think what people are interested in to hear, though, is, uh, first of all, how are you feeling right now? How, how is the uh, recovery going? I feel good. I mean, as far as, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm hurting, I'm in pain, but other than that, uh, I mean, it's not like I'm sick. Hell, even when I had a stroke, I didn't even realize it. Well, okay, but, like, how much can you move your left side right now? My left leg, I can move, and with a, with a cane, I can walk. So you can move the leg, and, so my, and you said with a cane, you can walk? Left, yeah, my left arm, I can't move at all. Oh, man. So how does it feel? I can't even picture that, like where I, like I couldn't move my arm. Uh, how does it feel like when you try to move your left arm, what happens? Like you think, I want to move my left arm. What, what occurs then? It just doesn't go? It does not go at all. Weird. So, it's like, it very feels like frustrating. So, it feels like it's going to move, and then it just doesn't happen. Right. Hmm. See, my brain's sending the signal, but but it ain't it ain't working. It's so strange to think about. Like, I could picture if my arm was like like physically broken and and I couldn't move it for that reason. But it's, it's weird to think about. Like, you just your brain knows it's trying to move it and then it just doesn't, it just doesn't move. But I, I mean, I totally believe this is what's happening. That's what happens with a stroke. But uh, so when the stroke occurred, uh, can you describe the day, you know, when it happened and, you know, the, the way it all went down? I got up. Uh, okay. Father's day was a Sunday and uh, I did everything around the house. I cut the grass. 
I barbecued all day and cooked and uh I bathed my big thirty pound cat and bathed my dog. And then the next morning I got up and I just couldn't hold nothing in my left hand. I kept dropping my drop my laptop twice. Mm. And then I got in the car and I drove to work. And when I got into work, these two girls that were sitting out front, outside that I worked with, they said it took me like 10 minutes to get out of the car. And then when I got out of the car, um, I dropped my plate because I brought leftovers from that I barbecued the night before. Mm-hmm. And I dropped it in the parking lot. And they ran up to me and they realized that something was wrong and they called the ambulance real quick. Now, where were you? Were you kind of out of it then? Like, weren't you, were you thinking like, hey, something's wrong with me? Or were you two just messed up at the moment to understand what was going on? I had no idea what was going on. I knew something wasn't right. But I didn't realize it was a stroke. Yeah. No, but were you like, were you worried that, hey, something's really wrong with me? It's taking me 10 minutes to get out of the car and I can't hold anything? Or were you just like, uh, were were you just not really thinking that way? I wasn't thinking that way. I thought I was just extra high that morning. (laughs) Okay. So, so you had, so then they took you to the hospital, I, I assume. Yeah, it took me to, to right up the road. It's seven hundred dollar ride for less than a mile. <laughs> and I stayed in the ICU for one day, and then they put me on a regular floor, and I stayed up on that floor for four months. Wow. And uh, what did you do when you were in the hospital all that time? I mean, the hospital is a pretty boring place. Uh, oh yeah. What, what did you do to keep yourself occupied for four months in the hospital? I had a lot of friends calling and coming to see me. I had a lot of support. So, I mean, every day I had people come popping in. I had surprises. People I never thought would come see me pop in the hospital. Hmm. That's good. Uh, w- were you able to use the oh, computer much at all, like to keep yourself occupied? Um, I, uh, I did get on the computer, but the hospital had all gambling sites blocked. Oh, jeez. So I was wanting to get, you know, this happened June 16th, right during the main event and all, and I was trying to, you know, keep up with what had happened and all, and I couldn't. And then when I came to and realized Martin Newhouse made the final table two years in a row, I was like, something's wrong with this. <laughs> There's yeah. no way this man's going to finish ninth again. Yeah. You know, I was, I was wondering, I you know what I was just thinking the other day was, uh, I wonder if Mark Newhouse is happy that, he made the final table again this year, or if he kind of wishes that he just like busted early and this all never happened. Like, like I wonder what was better for Mark Newhouse. Was it to have made ninth place, won 700,000, whatever, and set this record that people will always remember in poker. And it's probably never going to be duplicated again with these sizes of sizes of fields. Or, uh, is this going to mess him up so badly psychologically I don't know. I just hope he stays clean. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm just afraid. I mean, he... I couldn't imagine. He won $1.6 million and lost all that. He lost more than that because he had a bankroll before that. He's, I, I watched him run it up at Limit Hold'em. So, right. He was playing uh, $100, $200 on stars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was playing a lot of Limit Hold'em. He played bigger than that live. I played with him at 400 800 once. Uh, he was playing big. He was, you know, he had a bankroll of at least uh, 500000 uh, at the time, he won the one point six million. So he had like a two million dollar bankroll that he he shot off, and uh, he only had a, a piece of himself. I don't know how big last year, 
when right. he was seven or whatever. And this year, I think he had most of himself. He said this on this show when we had him on here. But uh, what I'm afraid is that this year he was so confident he was going to do better. And since he already got paid in July. Right, he's probably broke. Yeah, I wonder how much he like ran through. He may have ran th- run through all of it saying, hey, at least I'm going to finish like fifth or something and I'll have a good role. So, right, on the felt. I was watching that show on the felt that recorded, and he said he wasn't making no decisions about a place to live, a car, anything until after the November final table. Yeah. So I, I mean, I hope, uh, I hope he'll be okay with it. But this is a, a very tough thing. He, the ninth last year really bothered him. He was, he was very affected by last year's ninth, even though he came in short stacked. And I, I can understand being very disappointed, especially since you've already been paid. So you, you basically show up to the final table after four months with a chance to win ten million, and you walk away with zero. So you know that sucks. Right. Uh, it's not really zero because you got paid earlier, but you know it's you got zero additional, and it just. It really sucks, but at least you think he could say to himself, "Hey, I was short stacked. I didn't have much of a chance." Uh, but this year, you know, as much as he, he was like bo- earning chips, yeah, and he was really bothered. Still, I mean, he said it on this show. He was really bothered about last year's ninth. He he tweeted this year when he bought into the main event, not going to finish ninth this year. He really right, tweeted that. that. Yeah, like he was that upset about the ninth still a year later. Instead of saying, hey, wow, look how well I did. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, I was excited about playing the 2011 main event after finishing 88th in 2010. I said, oh, wow, 88th. Like, I did so well. Like, I'm excited to see what I do this year. So like, and then I didn't cash. But, um, like, I wasn't saying, oh, man, I don't want 88th again. I, w- I actually would have been happy if I made it that deep again. Uh, nobody likes to bust, but right. at least like, – like, but he was upset about the ninth place already – before the second ninth happened, but this one, he, he came into it so confident. He on the show was saying how confident he is, and then to to finish that ninth and this time not coming in short stacked. I mean, it's gonna it's got to be really eating at him every single day he wakes up. I hope he utilizes got some money for the matches he was wearing. Yeah. So anyway, I, I don't know how we got into the new house discussion, but so uh, let's let's get back to you. Uh, so, I mean, I would that would piss me off. If I was in the hospital four months and I had a computer, I'd say, okay, at least I can still interact online normally. You know, I can go on the sites I go on. I can play online poker, whatever. And then, like, every single site I go on normally, which has to do something with poker, is blocked, including Poker Every Throttle. single one. Man. There was nothing that I could really browse. I mean, I, I kept up with the news a little bit more than I usually do. That would suck. That would suck if I like I'm in yeah. the hospital and I'm in the hospital and I'm like I can't even go on my own poker fraud alert. Damn. And the food sucked at the hospital. Actually, I'd have a way around it because I have my phone jailbroken, so I could actually use my provided my phone got at reception, I could use my phone as a uh, I could jailbreak it to my computer. But anyway, um, yeah, the food the food in the hospital sucks too. It. Uh, it's and the, then they had me on the diabetic diet. You know, I didn't know I was diabetic until oh. I had a stroke. Do, do they think that's what caused the stroke, that uh, you didn't realize you were diabetic? The, the diabetes and the high cholesterol and smoking. I was yeah. smoking. Well, you know, I, I hope you get better. You, do you get a little more movement every day on the left side? Um, I ain't going to say I get more movement, but I'm, I feel stronger every day. Yeah. Do, I mean, do you think like that? Today, like I did a lot of walking. When I'm in the house, I use my I got an electric wheelchair. 
what do they say the prognosis is for this? Like in 10 years, uh, do they think in 10 years you'll be able to be walking around normally and, and using your left arm, or is it possible it's going to be stuck like this forever? I mean, there's always a possibility it's stuck, but it depends on, you know, i got to keep working at it. Yeah. I'm in the process now of uh, getting fitted for a new AFO brace. It's AFO, it's ankle, foot, orthopedic. And so what happens is, is when you have a stroke, your foot, it just turns on you. And so it can't hold no weight. Mm-hmm. And that AFO is a plastic brace and that keeps my ankle sturdy. Okay. I can't, I can't get out of bed without my AFO. Hmm. And it, it's a, and I get a Neobo glass that I have to wear all the time. Yeah, you you really take for granted a lot of things like that until until oh, you lose yes. you lose access to it. I mean, I I once fell out of bed. I, my leg once fell asleep so badly that I got out of bed. I stand up and I'm like, oh crap, my left leg has zero feeling in it, and I just fell. And then I actually injured my knee for like eight weeks thanks to that. But like, like I, I it was weird that because I couldn't feel my left leg, I couldn't stand. And I fell. So, like, I can totally picture what you're talking about. If you have a stroke and and you uh, um, you can't really use your left leg, that your ankle can't support you normally. Right. And it. And I mean, I just want to get better so I can stand up and piss again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it is a bitch to have to sit down every time you want to take a leak. But luckily, I've got these bars up in my bathroom, and I can do all that by myself. I don't need no help. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And and you know, you're. Uh, are you married now, or you just have a girlfriend? I know you've been my girlfriend for ten years. Okay. We're going to get married soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, I've got that situation too. I've been with a girl for five and a half years, and you know we have a kid together, but we're not officially married. So uh, right, my son's eighteen. He's a senior in high school. Yep, mine mine is a while away from eighteen. I'll be pretty old when he's eighteen. Oh yeah, you got a long time. Okay, I got a long time. I'll be pretty old then. So how old is he? Six, Benjamin? No, he's four. He just turned four. Uh, so you start school next year? No, no, no. In in, uh, in California, there anyone born late in the year has to wait another year. So he won't start school until oh. sixteen. He goes to preschool now, but uh, oh, okay. I'm glad my son's graduating this year. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's the way it was when I was. Every time he comes home from school, he's getting some money for this or money for that. And I just <laughs> it, this is the most depressing part of it. I can't. I mean. I have worked every day since I was 18 years old, and now I can't even go to work. Now I understand. And they give me a they give me a monthly uh, disability check, but I didn't have to pay the bills hardly. Yeah, I know. You know, it, it just something like this it, it disrupts everything. Every single thing in your life that before was so easy, or you just uh, thought was automatic, uh, suddenly uh, becomes a big deal, or you can't do. And it's, oh, everything. Uh, it just everything is so hard now, and you know things used to come easy to me because I was I'm I'm not dumb, but things used to come easy to me like names of streets, and it's like everything is a challenge now. Yeah, yeah my math ain't the same. I used to be real good at math, but I could do it through it in my head, but it ain't the same no more. Thank God I've got a great girlfriend and yeah. takes care of me. That's good. It's it's. Uh... That's good that you had that and that uh, she's standing by you. You didn't get to meet her out in Vegas. I no, think. I never never met her. I've, I've seen pictures of her on Facebook. I never met her. Epistate met her. How's Epistate doing? I haven't heard from him either. I, I haven't uh, spoken to Epistate in a while. I see you. Know, I see him every once in a while around Vegas, like 
you know, in the Bellagio. He plays in the Bellagio a lot. So, like, when, when I play oh, in the okay. Bellagio, like, he'll see me around there and say hello, but that, that's about it. I don't really know what's going on with him. And you and Bacon still out there? Uh, Macon, I saw him once in the last few years, also in the Bellagio. He came up to me seeing, you know, he came up and said hi. And uh, before that, he had just, like, vanished. He just completely vanished. Nobody, right. nobody had heard from him. I was, I, I didn't know where he was. The, the last I had heard about him, and I don't know if this is still the case, uh, he was with a woman who was uh, a good deal older than him. She was around my age, uh, and uh, they, they, he was living with her, and she had like rich parents, but uh, you know, they were giving her money kind of on and off, and. They were living together in a house that I think her parents bought, and uh, th- that was the last I heard. Then they just, yeah, he just kind of vanished from poker. And then I saw him once in the Bellagio, and that's about it. But uh, that was about a year ago wow. when I saw him. I mean, he was, he was probably still around in Vegas unless he was just visiting. So uh, right. a- a- anyway, uh, you know, I, I know this is, uh, I-, I know it's tough at least, uh, and I'm sure you thought of this, that uh, you're fortunate not to have been one of those people who had the stroke and, and just died from it. And uh Oh yeah, I'm not a stroke victim. I'm a stroke survivor. Yeah, I mean you're you're still here, and that's the most important thing. You could have. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean I've learned that there's some people that have strokes that are like vegetables afterwards. And that I'm not too. That bad. Yeah, that too. You could have been a vegetable, or you could just be dead. So, you know, compared to that, you're right. in great shape. So, I mean, you're you're talking to me here. Everything sounds fine. Like if you if I didn't know the story, you just called in. Like I I wouldn't know you had a stroke. Right, right. So but I've lost a lot of weight. I'm down to like 170. Wow, <laughs> that's hard to picture, but yeah, I guess that's uh, you know, I, I I know it can. Really... I lost most of that in the hospital, believe it or not. Yeah, it's probably the food was so bad. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, maybe that's and then what they I sent do. me out to a veterans home for a month for some rehab. Maybe that's what I should do. You know, I was uh, I, I gained weight over the years, and I said, you know. Uh, in, in uh, 2000, uh, beginning of 2013, I said I got to lose some weight here. My weight is like rapidly rising up here, so, so I, I was trying to get back down to 200 pounds, and uh, I got to about 208, and then couldn't go any further. But maybe, maybe what I should have done was uh, lived at the hospital for a while, and I'd probably be down to like 175 right now. <laughs> so, well, uh, you know, I hope you. I hope you recover. I hope things keep getting better. It, sound, it does sound like you know you're putting a lot of effort into this, and uh, you know keeping a positive attitude and uh, and working hard at bringing yourself back to as, as close as you can to what you were. And uh, you know when I when I first read about the stroke, there I was concerned. I thought uh, I, I I didn't know the seriousness. I didn't know you know if you would even be alive much longer. And I'm glad to see that uh, you know. Here we are months later, and you're able to walk with a cane, and you call into the show, and uh, you know, gl- glad to see that we've uh, you've come at least that far so far. All right, I appreciate it, Todd. All right, so thanks for calling in and giving us a, a view on you know what's been going on in your life, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people on the site here that are pulling for you. I appreciate it, and y'all, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too, Sean. Thank you, Todd. All right, thanks. Bye. That's uh, UGA. Long-time member of this community. And uh, really tough, you know. That's uh, the type of thing that just completely changes everything in your life. Not just a thing that seems like a big deal at the time, but 
you get over and live normally again. I mean, this is it's a huge thing. Aside from aside from dying or becoming a vegetable, that's uh, uh, this is pretty bad. But I'll, I'll say he sounded good on the phone. He obviously has a long way to go to become what he once was, but uh, yeah, speaking on the phone, he sounded totally normal. <laughs> Hockey guy saying, Druff should feel like shit for knocking him out of that free roll, fucking prick. All right. Don't try to make me feel worse about that. I was just playing poker. That's all I was doing. I would feel like shit if I was like trying to knock him out. Like if you know if he's raising with jacks and I'm isolating him off with uh, you know nine ten, and then outflop him somehow. I had Ace King suited. I mean, straightforward hand. All right, so uh, let's get back to the Ravel. The Ravel was going to be purchased for $110 million. We've talked about that before on this show. Basically, another company was going to take them over at a huge bargain uh, compared to what that uh, property was built for. But some were still thinking that uh, this is not the best deal, even though they're getting a great property for $110 million, because the Ravel was not profitable. Because it, it was losing money. It's just the way it was built. It was it was too expensive to run. It was too big. It was too expensive to run and not drawing in enough people, especially in a weak market like Atlantic City. So even if you're buying a great property for $110 million, if it's going to keep losing money for you, it, it doesn't matter what you buy it for if it's going to be a money pit. But uh, it looked like it was going to be purchased and was going to reopen. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. There's There's been a complication, and not one you would expect. The press of Atlantic City has reported that the deal that would have Brookfield U.S. Holdings LLC purchasing the Ravel Casino Hotel has fallen through. Why has it fallen through? Is it because they don't like the price? Is it because they uh, don't like the condition of the property, or they've evaluated that it won't make money? Are they having buyer's remorse? No, none of these things. Is it about licensing? No, not about that either. It's because there's some controversy and trouble involving a power plant. A power plant? A power plant? How could a power plant have anything to do with the sale of the Revell? This is a really strange story. The Intel District Energy Center is next to the Ravel, and they provide the energy for the property. Now, the Ravel actually constructed it. They, they knew it was a huge property. They needed energy for it. They, so they built this, uh, this power plant next door, uh, spent $42 million, the people, uh, the original owners of the Ravel, to uh, build this power plant to power the casino and the hotel. But uh, then they were unable to complete the building. They ran out of money. They ran out of cash to fund this uh, power plant after spending $42 million. 
So a company called ACR Energy Partners gave them $158 million more to make $200 million total to finish the project. And it was finished. Uh, now, what happened was, and I guess they, some of the construction costs were also covered by bonds from the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, but that's not important here. Um, basically, ACR Energy and Revell were joined at the hip at that point because Revell had an agreement to pay back ACR at the rate of $1.5 million per month, which is $18 million per year. That basically, uh, that was the agreement. We'll finish off your power plant. You'll keep paying us $1.5 million a month, which includes interest, uh, until this is all paid off over a 20-year period. So that you're going to be paying $360 million over 20 years to ACR for this uh, $158 million they put in. And I guess that uh, this new company that bought uh, Brookfield Holdings that was going to buy the Revell uh, didn't realize this. And when they came to realize that they were going to be stuck with a $1.5 million per month payment to this ACR company for the next 20 years, they freaked out. They said, oh, my God, how are we going to be profitable? I mean, yeah, we're getting this thing for $110 million, but we're going to have to spend you know, uh, close to $360 million over 20 years on this stupid power plant. So we're not really buying this for $110 million. It's like we're buying it for $450 million with, with some of the payment delayed over 20 years. We had no idea. <laughs> so, so Brookfield is like, we're out of here. We don't want this. They did offer to rework the construction debt, but the bondholders said no. So uh, Brookfield said, goodbye. We're not buying this anymore. We don't want any part of this whole debt. So the Revell is now searching for another buyer. So don't be expecting to set foot into the reopened Revell Casino in New Jersey anytime soon. They don't like how I'm saying Revell. Was it Revel? I don't, I don't live in New Jersey. I don't live in New Jersey, but I'll tell you a secret. I once did live in New Jersey. I won't tell you when, but I did once live there. I lived there for 16 months. I did. Not recently, though. I guess it is Revel. I don't care. I'm calling it Revel. I'm calling it Revel just to piss you New Jersey people off. I can do it because I lived there for a short time. Yeah, they're asking if I lived with uh, Phil Ivy under a bridge. <laughs> All right, uh, final New Jersey story. Regarding the legalized online poker landscape, of course, we've had ultimate poker closing because they couldn't hack it. It's been a disappointment, it's been a failure. Let's face it, uh, I had it told to me that WSOP.com is losing its ass, especially in Nevada. They've spent far more on the project than they have made from the project. 
this has not been successful. Now, what has been moderately successful has been the New Jersey casino portion of the online gaming because New Jersey offers more than poker online. They offer poker and casino games. Casino games are, of course, games you play against the house, like blackjack, craps, slots, whatever you can play online. And uh, those you're paying, you're, you're playing the house directly rather than just paying them a rake on poker. So they make money a lot quicker. And that is really where they're deriving most of the revenue there in New Jersey is from these casino games. The poker is uh, just a small part of it. Now, if the poker site was huge, like poker stars, yeah, they would they would make bank, but it's just not big enough. They don't have enough players. They're just not making that much money on the poker part. So it was thought the reason the poker site is not doing well is because the market's just not big enough. They they need to have various states cooperating and sharing player pools, and then you'll have a much bigger pool and a lot more games going. And even though the states have to share the rake. Uh, you know, more players means more games running, which means even more players. It's it's a thing that builds on each other. And I've mentioned this before. Uh, if someone opens up a poker site and there's nobody playing, they close it. They don't go sit alone and wait. They close it. But if you open up a poker site and it has a ton of games running, then you want to sit. If you open up a poker site and it has a few games running, maybe you play, maybe you don't. So having existing games going of every type is important to a successful poker site. They They grow exponentially for that reason. When you know a site, you know, so if a site is growing, it grows very fast, and uh, if it's not growing, it's just going to be stuck. There, there isn't much as far as uh, slow growth with poker sites. Well, and, you know, it's the same with with forums too. Think about forums. If you go to a forum where nobody's posting, you're not going to post. If you go to a forum where there's tons of posts going on, you're going to post a lot. So it's one of these things where you need activity to gain more activity. The reason I'm telling you all this is that New Jersey, which had originally planned to partner with Nevada and maybe even Delaware to share player pools, has effectively decided forget the whole thing. The reason they've decided this is because the poker is not making much money, and they see that uh, Nevada has a small player pool. Delaware has an even smaller player pool and that the upside, and that is sharing player pools, basically adding those players onto the New Jersey site but not getting their rake is not worth it. It's not going to change their fortunes very much. It's not like you're going to have way more games running on the New Jersey sites if they are connected with Nevada. So yeah, maybe you'll have uh, you know 20 5-cent, 10-cent games running instead of uh, 8 5-cent, 10 10-cent games, right? Who cares? That's not going to substantially increase traffic. The problem is the most active of all the sites in New Jersey or in Nevada and Delaware, the most active is WSOP.com. In fact, it's the only semi-active site of all of them in those two states, WSOP.com in Nevada. They average 150 people. Cash players I'm talking about at once. 150, that's it. And most of them are micro-stakes. So micro-stakes players, you're not even raking much for them because you, you can't rake $5 per pot out of micro-stakes, obviously. So you got to rake something small. And for that reason, you don't make very much money. 
So 150 players, most of the micro stakes. That's the average that they have on WCB.com Nevada. So why should New Jersey go through all the trouble to partner with these other states to add these 150 micro stakes players? There's a lot of expense in it. There's a lot of headache, a lot of time, a lot of uh, regulation that has to be written. A lot of time, money, effort, regulatory language. A lot of this, a lot has to be put into it, making a uh, this cooperative poker venture between the two states work. And why? To get 150 microstates players? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm taking a look at uh, WSOP.com Nevada right now. And this is around their peak time. It's uh, 9.15 p.m. in Nevada right now. So everybody's home from work, yet they're not asleep yet. This is the prime time for online poker. Where everybody has a reason to play at the moment. It's in the evening, they're winding down. They're not yet ready to go to sleep, but they're not at work anymore. It's a perfect time to play online poker. And this is probably when they're going to hit their peak. According to PokerScout.com, which tracks these things, WSOP.com has 267 players on right now, which is very close to their typical peak of high 200s. Yesterday's peak was 282. So right now his peak is 267. So, you know... As I said, the average is 150. So here's at the peak what's running. They have a heads-up 10-20 limit game with two players I recognize. I don't know who they are specifically, but two guys who I know are pros that are just playing each other because they're trying to get a game going. Uh, A 2-4 no-limit game with four people. A... Nine-handed one-two game, no limit with, you know, that's full. Uh, Two six-handed games running with five people each. One-two. Everything else is below one-two. $3.50 games. uh, Looks like four 25-cent, 50-cent games. Sorry, six 25-cent, 50 games. Uh, Seven 10-cent, or four 10-cent, 20-cent games, looks like. Two five cent, ten cent games. You know, so you understand this is mostly micro stakes. I see like six or seven one cent, two cent games running and two two cent, four cent games running. You, you get the picture. These are not high ranking tables. Except for the few two four games and ten twenty limit games running. They're, they're making pennies per hand. So New Jersey doesn't need this. The return does not justify the expense and the trouble, and there's no upside. It's not like Nevada online poker is going to take off. It's not like uh, something's going to happen and everyone's going to flock to Nevada online poker. Nevada online poker has gone as far as it can by himself. Nevada online poker will only increase... One, temporarily during the World Series, where at best it doubles, which still is kind of crappy. And two, 
will increase when they can partner with other states. But those aren't their players. That's just borrowing other states' players. So basically, Nevada just doesn't have a lot to add. So New Jersey doesn't want to bother with it. And especially Delaware. They, they really have a pathetic situation. Delaware right now, and it's around midnight there, has 26 cash players on, and even at their peak a few hours ago, uh, 41 players at the cash tables. Their average for the day is a whopping seven players. <laughs> so why should they do this? Why should they do this? I understand it. They're making money from the casino, but this doesn't help them. Having partnered poker does not help them in the casino. It's not like the Nevada people can play in the New Jersey casino. They can't. So this doesn't help them. It's a waste. So I think what New Jersey is going to do is they're going to stall and they're going to wait for a state like California to legalize online poker. Then they will probably talk about the partnership thing. Then maybe they'll want to include Nevada and Delaware too. But at the moment, if the only prize is Nevada and Delaware's poker players online, they're going to pass. And that's become very clear. And I've seen other articles about this, but the other articles are not giving the reason why. They're just saying, looks like New Jersey's not doing it. But I'm telling you that's why they're not doing it. They've seen it's not worth it. Not even close to worth it. To be honest, they would not have even started this whole undertaking in Nevada if they had seen what a failure it was going to be. Now that they've already done it and put in the expense, now uh, uh, like WSOP.com is toughing it out and seeing where they can take it once other markets get legalized. But uh, believe me, this is not what they were picturing. They were not picturing 150 players average on the site when they put all this money into it. And I got this directly from the horse's mouth. Someone very high up in uh, Caesars Interactive told me this and told me they're losing a lot of money. At least on the poker side of things. So uh, that's the end of the the, uh, New Jersey stories. Someone asked me in PM about uh, eh, this guy saying he wants to call up and ask something, but he doesn't want to expose the situation. So I just, just PM me. I'm telling you, it's hard to do a live show uh, like all I've interactive shows. People like ask me specific questions during the show, and I've got to hold up the show while I'm answering them. It's a, not an easy thing here. I guess uh, people don't want me to stop talking about New Jersey. Sandwich just posted in chat that uh, some story, let's see. A woman in New in Morris Plains, New Jersey won $1.3 million at harriscasino.com 
on a game called Millionaire Genie. Interesting. Well, they obviously like promoting stories like that. That's a pretty big online slot machine win. $1.3 million. But you know for everyone like this, there's tons of people losing their asses at these online slot machines. Slot machines, by the way, are overwhelmingly popular with women. Take a look at casinos. Just walk around a casino and look who's playing slots, and you will see a very high percentage are women. For whatever reason, slot machines appeal more to women. And a lot of husbands of women who like slot machines drive them, you know, are driven crazy because slot machines are far worse than video poker. They're worse than blackjack. Uh, they eat your money so fast. The hold on slot machines for the casino is very high. So, yeah, you have the occasional jackpots that are hit like this, but uh, for everybody else, it's pretty sad. And the worst is that most of the slot machines these days don't even give you the chance to win something like $1.3 million. Most of the slot machines are not high jackpot machines. They're machines where the best-case scenario is you win like you know $2,000. That's the worst part. The machines that don't even have like a huge upside if you get super lucky. So, and these are usually like the ones I'm talking about here, like the ones that uh, look really cool, like the Monopoly machine and other ones like that, where it just, uh, they look really cool and they're fun as far as slot machines go. But they don't have a big upside even if you do the very best you possibly can do. And the downside is you almost always lose. When I say almost always, I mean if you play for any length of time. But there's some women that love them. Men, while men can have bad gambling problems too, it doesn't tend to be on slots. Sometimes it is, but usually it's other things. And things like table games, uh, those, like like Blackjack, for example. Blackjack has more men, but not by a whole lot. I haven't seen the exact demographics, but you look like, you walk by blackjack tables and look at the players there, and you, you see more male than female, but there, there's plenty of females too. And obviously the game of poker is mostly male. Hockey guy PMing me, fuck you, Druff. Thank you for that. Someone asking, does anything Caesars own make money? <laughs> I don't like slot machines myself uh, because you're not making any decisions. You're just hitting buttons and watching what happens. At least in video poker, you're making decisions. Slot machines, you're just pressing buttons and going, okay, I hope I get lucky. Okay, I hope I get lucky this time. Okay, I hope I get lucky this time. I mean, it's it's boring. Someone PMing me, they want me to talk about Uber in Vegas and Reno. I I mean, I know what Uber is, but I, I don't know. Uh, I've never used it in either of those places. I have no reason to use it. Uh, I always have my car, so. If there's some kind of uh, controversy with it, I don't know about it. So I'm afraid I, I can't expand on that one. Here's one I, I can expand on a little bit. Uh, Dusty Schmidt, who is uh, a well-respected online poker player, 
known as Leatherass, and he had a popular blog. And uh, I knew this one guy from from this site. He doesn't really come on here anymore, but yeah, I used to talk to this guy privately. This guy used to always talk about Dusty Schmidt. He's always talking about Dusty Schmidt, this Dusty Schmidt, that. He was a big fan of Dusty Schmidt. Uh, but Dusty Schmidt, he, he's someone who is generally liked, generally respected. Uh, I haven't heard of any scandal surrounding him. Uh, he's known to be a good player. He was a huge grinder on Poker Stars. He would play 12 tables of No Limit at one time, all day and all night. Can you imagine 12 tables running at once that you're just running all day, hours and hours and hours and hours at a time, playing 12 games at once? Now, this wouldn't be possible at Limit Hold'em, because in Limit Hold'em you're playing hands a lot further through, and the game moves a lot faster. There's no way you could do it. But uh, in No Limit, because there's a lot of pausing in the game because, you know, you're waiting for people to make decisions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you're folding a lot more uh, after the flop. You can play a lot more tables. But 12 is, is pretty crazy, even if uh, it is no limit. And to do 12 for extended periods of time every single day is crazy. But that's what Dusty Schmidt did. He earned Supernova Elite, the highest status on Poker Stars, you know, surprisingly quickly doing this. And, uh, and made money. People looked up to him. But Dusty Schmidt quit online poker for a strange reason. Uh, Dusty Schmidt wrote an article called This Is My Brain, This Is My Brain on Poker. And, and that was a play on the old 80s commercial, uh, The Brain on Drugs. Let's see if I can find it here. Sure, you older people have seen this commercial many times, but uh, some of you younger people who listen here uh, may not know about this. Is there anyone out there who still isn't clear about what doing drugs does? Okay, last time. This is your brain. He's holding up an egg. This is drugs. He's pointing to a frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Very simple commercial, but it was very memorable in the 80s. Showing an egg frying, and that's your brain on drugs. Well, uh, Dusty Schmidt does not claim to have done drugs, but uh, wrote an article about how his playing poker the way he was was doing the same thing to his brain. He claimed that many years of multi-tabling, 12 tables for hours on end, created subtle changes in his brain functions. And it gave him one advantage in that it gave him the ability to process information at ridiculous speeds. He could think really fast. That it came at the expense of an apparent inability to communicate with others effectively when his brain became stuck on other thoughts. He also had an onset of anxiety. So he started having real issues. That he, he started feeling like he couldn't talk to people effectively anymore, that he got distracted too easily, and, uh, and also was getting very anxious, a lot of anxiety. Uh, he actually got professional help from mental health experts. And it was determined, he claims, that, it, that he had developed a pattern in his brain that allowed for excessively high levels of functioning, meaning you know, playing 12 tables at once of poker, 
But uh, after being immersed in it for a long time, that uh, doing anything but that, uh, his functioning was adversely effective. So basically, his, he, he thinks his brain had, had uh, uh, changed itself to where it only wanted to do this uh, high level of information processing. And if uh, he was doing anything else, uh, it, it, it was kind of panicking. That's basically what he's trying to say. Now, there, are no, there is no real research on this. It's not like this is an established medical finding. So a lot of people thought that uh, this is BS. They thought he's probably having some other issues. Maybe, uh, maybe he's doing drugs. Maybe he's uh, just psychologically getting worn out from this. Maybe he, uh, he has some other issues, health issues that he doesn't realize and is blaming it on this. So, someone said, uh, you know, some people believed him, though, and and someone, uh, you know, it's his, in fact, Dusty Schmitz, one of his doctors said, the human brain simply does not have the capacity to put itself through eight-plus-hour days of mass multi-tabling online poker. And some people say, hey, you know, he's probably right. We, we don't know what the long-term effects are of doing this of sitting down and multi-tabling, mass multi-tabling every single day and constantly watching, watching, watching every single table, processing the information, making decisions, 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 decisions all day without a break. It is stressful. It's a lot different than normal life where you have sometimes a few short periods where there's something stressful or a decision to be made, but uh, uh, not constant tough decisions coming after you one after the other. So nobody could come to an exact conclusion whether Dusty Schmidt's brain had really been adversely affected from his multi-tabling of online poker or if he had other issues that he was blaming on this or if it was just literally all in his head. Maybe... uh, He was imagining the whole thing. Maybe he was noticing, you know, a few things happening and saying, "Oh my God, my brain is deteriorating," and, and convinced himself, and it became like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Nobody knows. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. So the weird thing is, almost two years later now, Dusty Schmidt is now a sponsored pro at America's Card Room, and uh, they had a blog post at. America's Card Room, where they interviewed him. And they asked him, how many tables do you typically play? And you would think after he disclosed this whole thing that, uh, you know, two years ago, that he would have made serious changes. It seemed like he was uh, very down on what had happened to him. Kind of felt sorry that, that he had done this to himself. So his response... As to how many tables he'd play, you'd think his answer would be like, well, after what happened a few years ago, the most I'm going to play is two or three. No. His response was, most of the time I play 12 because that's what I can get. What? What? So two years ago, he's warning everybody about the dangers of multi-tabling and... 
he also claimed he received a response from a, quote, a dozen mass multi-table grinders who claim they, too, have noticed a lot of problems with their brains since they began online poker. Why would he be doing this again? Why would he come back to it and mass multi-table again if it was killing his brain the first time? Is he an addict? Does he no longer believe his own theory? He even urged people who played many tables at once every day to ask themselves if online poker is impacting them in a negative way. So here's someone who who came forward and said, hey, this isn't a good idea to do. I did it and it screwed me up. And then he comes back and does it again and won't explain why. So we'll have to see what he says about that. I don't know what to say. I, I, I was kind of believing him before. But now I'm wondering if the whole thing was exaggerated or if, if he realized he was imagining it and is right back to it. Or maybe he's an addict. Or maybe he is pretending like he's playing 12 at once just because that's his reputation. And, and he feels he has to say that for the interview, but he doesn't really do it anymore. But he, he doesn't want to come on and say, oh, yeah, I'm a shadow of my former self. My brain's all messed up. So, now, yeah, I only play two or three now. That's all I can handle. Maybe he doesn't want people on America's card room thinking this is like the reduced Dusty Schmidt. This is the poor man's Dusty Schmidt. This is the shadow of his former self, Dusty Schmidt. Maybe he wants them to think the old Dusty Schmidt is back, even if he is not. I have... uh, Never played more than five tables at once. But when I played five, and this is Limit Hold'em, it's a lot different. But when I played five, I, it was too much. With five tables, like, it was constantly like beep, 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 like constantly asking me for decisions. I couldn't find I could pay attention to my opponents. I couldn't find I could really concentrate on the games well. It was just overwhelming. So I got comfortable playing four, but I did notice that I didn't play as well with four as I did with three or two. So nowadays, I like to stick to two, and at most three, but I, I don't play four even anymore. And that's Limit Hold'em, which is very different, as I said. Uh, you know, Three tables of Limit Hold'em is equivalent to a lot more of No Limit. Not 12, but a lot more. But, uh, you know, I can understand. Now, I have to say also with Limit Hold'em, you're not making as many big decisions. Because there's not one big decision you have to make in No Limit that's going to make or break your session. Limit Hold'em is uh, succeeding from a succession of winning hands, not uh, winning a few big hands, which is what No Limit's about. That's actually one of the reasons I like Limit Hold'em above No Limit Hold'em, is that uh, it rewards consistency rather than waiting for something really big to happen. That's not to say Limit Hold'em doesn't have variance because you take a lot more bad beats in Limit Hold'em. A lot more because people see all the way to the river much more. Many times you'll flop top set in Limit Hold'em and lose to someone who had an under pair that check called down with their pocket twos and then they hit the uh, one card flush with a deuce and beat you. 
and that's it's maddening. So you, you know, you you, flop, you have pocket queens. You flop queen seven four against pocket twos. You think you can't lose, especially with queen seven four with uh, you know only two of the same suit out of three on the board, and then you end up losing uh, to runner runner spades, and you you just go crazy. But uh, I don't know what to say. I can't say he's full of crap, but I also can't say that this isn't something else that he either imagined or exaggerated or maybe he has other problems going on that he doesn't realize. I'd have to know the whole story. Well, here's the end of another story. And uh, then if we don't get any further calls or uh, interesting things in the chat room, we'll shut this down. Jose Canseco. Actually, no, I have one more topic. I have one more topic after this. I forgot about that. One more that we added at the last minute. Jose Canseco's finger fell off during a poker tournament, and he claimed he had video of it happening, though he didn't publicize it, and he, he was going to sell the piece of his finger that fell off on eBay. He claimed it fell off because uh, his finger was reattached after he had uh, injured it in the past, and it was attached, and that really did happen. But nobody individually came forward and said that they had seen the finger fall off. Now, I didn't question it. I'm usually very good at finding hoaxes on the Internet. I didn't question it because I know Jose plays in a lot of minor, small poker tournaments. In fact, I even mocked him on Poker Fraudler for playing in some stupid satellite to some small tournament. And I thought, that's so weird when you're Jose Canseco and you're playing some, like, small-time satellite. Because a satellite, a satellite isn't fun. A satellite is to win your way into a tournament that you cannot afford to otherwise enter. So, anyway, I thought Jose was probably in some crappy tournament somewhere. That's why no one of uh, who's known came forward and said, hey, I saw it happen. Well, it turned out nobody saw it happen because it didn't happen. Jose Canseco was trolling the media. Jose Canseco made the whole thing up. He really did have a surgically reattached finger, but he did not lose it during a poker tournament. He thought it would be a funny thing to say and uh, jerk around the media, and it works. So congratulations, Jose. I, I think it's great when, it, when someone clowns the media. I think it's great because the media, all they want to do is one-up each other. They always want to break a story. And they, they don't do the fact-checking they should, and they run with something and or some other entity in the media carries something and they feel like they have to carry it too to keep up. And pretty soon, everyone's covering the story. Like, for example, my girlfriend knew about Jose Canseco, and she, she doesn't follow poker. She doesn't play poker, but she knew about it. So the mainstream knew that uh, Jose Canseco lost a finger playing playing a poker tournament, it didn't really happen. He made the whole thing up. They did nothing to corroborate it, and he trolled them. He did a good job trolling them. So good job, Jose Canseco. Let's take a look at the chat room. Desert Explorer wants me to talk about the riots in, uh, in Ferguson. Hockey guy telling me that uh, Marco is on Skype. Let's call Marco. Let's call Marco the pedo bear. No, I shouldn't say that. Marco with a pedo bear picture. 
Let's see if he answers. I, I just that picture is freaking me out. Marco, you got to change your picture. Marco, hello. Marco. Uh oh, Marco, you you have an issue. I think I think you have an issue with your mic. I think you do. I can't hear you. Let me make sure I have the audio setting set up. Yeah, it's fine on this end. He's typing something to me. I see the little pencil moving. Type, 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 type. Now he's erasing it. I have to sit on this radio show and wait for Marco to type out what he's typing here. You want me on air? Yeah. That's why I'm calling Marco. Is there a way to block his image here? I think I have to block his image. I don't want to block him. I'm just going to block his image. <laughs> Marco, I think he's thinking about it. He says, you want me on air? I said, yes. And he's just like sitting there. He's going, hmm, do I, do I want to subject myself to this? Do I want to subject myself to poker fraud alert? Or, or shall I stay away and preserve my career? I think that's what he's thinking right now. He's just kind of like sitting there. First he like types this long thing and erases it and then puts like, you want me on air. He Skype shows when someone's erasing it. So he like went type, 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 type. And then then he erased it and he writes, you want me on air. Like I once had that with this, there was this girl that I knew in Hawaii. Like this was before I was with Benjamin's mom, but shortly before that. This girl I knew in Hawaii that through the internet. And I usually didn't like, want to get to know girls from out of state, but it just kind of happened. And, um, you know, we'd be talking and I, I, she'd be like typing something to me and I could tell she's going to like write something dirty. And she's like, and then like, I see the eraser going, no, 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 no. I'm actually telling her don't erase it. And she's like, how do you know I'm erasing? I'm like, please just whatever you typed, please type it again. Marco's just like typing and erasing. I think he's messing with me. He said, how long? I said, short time. And now he's like doing type erase, type erase. I, like he said, call again. I wonder if he pulled this crap on the snake in the grass. All right, Marco, hello. Hi. Whoa, whoa, that's, that's loud. Let me turn you down a little bit. All right, Marco? Yes, sir. Yeah, hi. Uh, so welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Uh, the reason we're calling you tonight the reason you've been uh, tweeted at by some of the listeners mm-hmm. is uh, your effort to collect the spare change in Nevada for charity, which I the think what? is... what? Excuse me? The, the spirit change? The spare change. The spare, oh, the spare change. The spare change oh, okay. of, of Ultimate Poker. And I I think it's interesting. I, I, uh, I too, am going to receive a uh, micro-check of 55 cents from my uh, five free roll tickets that they're underpaying me for. Okay, how much? How much was that, Todd? Excuse me. I, I'm getting fifty-five cents. Fifty-five cents. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot more than you're getting, but uh, like three times what you're. <laughs> I'm getting. afraid so. You're running better than I do. Yeah. So, so uh, Marco, uh, the one thing I'm not understanding, and I, I read uh, most of your blog about this. Mm-hmm. I see that you have uh, a lot of pledges already, three hundred seventy-four dollars or something, but you've received a total of zero. 
as far as confirmed funds. So how do people pay you? How, how do I get that's, my 55 cents into your pocket? That's a good question, Todd. I'm, I'm you know, trying to, I'm working on figuring out a solution myself. Um, I've been looking into options. You know, I've never actually done something like this before. I've never coordinated something like this before. The obvious option is uh, PayPal, but, uh, but you know, PayPal carries fees. What's more, when I researched the PayPal fees further, I, I, I realized that I think that it tends to be something like 5%, plus there's like a 30-cent flat rate. Or are you aware of that? Well, I can tell you this, because a lot of people donate to this free roll through PayPal, and uh, they don't pay any sure. fees. And the way they get, avoid that is you... PayPal has a feature where you can send money to friends and family. Now, right. you have to be careful with that because uh, you, know, you can't put like a button to send friends and family because that's not what they intend this for. Sure. They intend this. But I would think this qualifies because they're not donating to you. What they're doing is uh, you can just say, you know, I'm your friend and you know a lot of right. these people. And you're saying I, I'm, your, I'm this person's friend and they got this little money from uh, – uh, from, Ultimate Poker, and they want to send it to me as, as, because they don't want it anymore. And they're sending it to me, and they they think I can make better use of it. And I I think that would probably be good enough to allow people to pay you. Uh, now, would they, would they raise issue with it if you got like a thousand micro payments from people? Uh, I, maybe they they might. They might. I don't know. See, I don't know. Okay. If they, I, I don't get a thousand micro pay. I get you know a few every week. Which add up to a lot, but I, I I've never been like inundated with a, with a, a ton of little payments. Uh, right. I don't know, uh, sent friends and family, but uh, it, it's kind of like a loose definition. The way they intended it here is that, uh, like, let's say, you know, you your buddy calls up and says, "Oh crap, I'm really in trouble. I can't pay my rent. Can you send me two hundred dollars?" Okay, here you go, and they won't charge any fees. And the reason they even do this for free is they're hoping that uh, maybe you're sending the money to the person so they can buy things on PayPal. And, and that, right. that's what, so that, so no, they don't want to act as like a banking service where a thousand people send you a few cents and, and then you withdraw the whole thing and send it to charity. That's probably not what they were intending here, but you know, are they really going to care or clamp down? They're a gigantic service. Uh, they might have some threshold they monitor for this, and maybe they, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But uh, I think you might be able to explain your way out of it by just saying that you're requesting that uh, you know all your friends in poker, of which you've made a lot over the years, uh, sure. send you their 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 little bits and of money. And some enemies, I guess. Yeah, you, 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 <laughs> they should have that rate, the the friends family rate, and also the the enemy rate. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. So I'm sending money to enemies. Yeah, so, and people I don't like. Now, have you thought about which charity it's going to go to? Yes, actually. And, you know, I uh, well, first of all, thanks for, for all the entry you just gave me. Uh, I, I heard someone else who told me something. I, I, I think the same thing you told me, which is that as long as they uh, manually enter, as long as they actually go on PayPal and manually enter uh, the email address of the, the charity or actually of the, of the recipient fund, more on that in a moment, um, and they do, as you, uh, as you say, select, uh, send uh, money to town friends that no one on either end has to, uh, has to pick up any fees. Yeah. They don't have to pick up yeah. any fees. It's totally okay. free. Okay. That's, so that's, uh, so that's easy enough. Uh, it seems like I mean, that, that's appealing enough for, you know, people who, when something is maybe a, a smaller, more concentrated effort, which so far that's all it's been. Everyone who has pledged to donate either knows, knows me personally or I can keep track of them. 
We have about like 30 donors, donors now. But I was actually kind of wondering about the possibility of, you know, suppose this thing has a potential to grow and why not? Maybe it can. And if it can, how do you optimize uh, that um, uh, the, the, those those, uh, those donations at that point? And I thought, well, you know, which uh, I started looking at the crowdfunding, which, you know, I, I only know pretty superficially. I, I've never really, you know, started a crowdfunding from before. So that like the cause can have, you know, like a landing page and stuff. And I think it's at that point that, you know, when even if you do use PayPal through that service, not only does PayPal pick up the standard fee, um, but um, but so does usually the the the, the, the host site. Yeah, you know that's that's how they monitor. Yeah, I was wondering so, that too, that because I think the only option you have really is to try to do this this PayPal, uh, you know, instruct people to send friends and family mm-hmm. individually and log in there. Uh, otherwise, there's no way to transfer that small sum of money uh, without incurring fees to where it would either eat up the whole thing or eat up a large portion of it. Now, there, there's an alternate approach. I was thinking maybe uh, you could wait till around the World Series and, and you could sit in front of the Rio with, with your hat out and maybe a dancing monkey next to you. Can they d- drop their change into the uh... – <laughs> That's not maybe a bad that, idea. That, maybe that can work too. But uh, uh, other than that, if you wanted to pay it electronically – then I mm-hmm. think you have to use PayPal, and you know, g- good luck with that whole thing. And uh, I-, I think it's good. You've got, already gotten uh, three hundred seventy-four dollars. Now, has anyone pledged like a large sum of money? I know that yeah. uh, Danielle yeah. uh, pledged to match it, but did, did someone sure. any people pledge things like a hundred dollars? Yeah, uh, they have, uh, Todd. I'm. Um, we're actually more. We, we last I checked, and I you know was away for a little bit. Um, but last I checked, we had passed the uh, the one thousand dollar mark. Um, I am probably going to put out a, an actual list of of who's donated, simply because I think it can help uh, you know people keep track of what's going on. Also, it's a you know it's a way to be transparent. Also, I don't since since ninety percent of the pledges have come through Twitter, they're public anyway. So um, so when I do that, uh, it, you'll see. That the, uh, the some of the donations, yes, have been pretty large. What began as this, you know, kind of like this micro uh, donation uh, efforts inspired people to just donate for the hell of it, which was which is what I think right now is kind of supporting the season on that spirit. Yeah, um, no, last I remember, you know, uh, the U.S. Poker, the the the, the website U.S. Poker, through tweets again, uh, pledged two hundred dollars. Mm. Um, one uh, one player uh, pledged one hundred dollars. Uh, some of the UB checks them. Uh, uh, UB. Uh, how about that? I just uh, I just made that 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 mistake myself. No, I do it all the time. Excuse too. me. Excuse me. Some of the UP checks are actually not that small. Ed Miller uh, is going to be getting a check for thirty five bucks, and he's pledged it. Uh, same with uh, Mario Silvestri. He's also giving thirty five dollars. Some people have got like five dollars, ten dollars. Uh, I'm actually on on the blog of mine, and I'm I was just thinking today. It's too bad that my user interface. The WordPress theme I selected isn't really cut out for this sort of thing, but um, I'm trying to maybe suggest to people, hey, listen, here's how much the average individual donation was, as opposed to like the average micro donation. Maybe people see like, oh, that's a small amount, maybe I can give that little. Um, but yeah, and obviously the biggest ones have been uh, the most impressive have been, you know, Danielle Anderson right away gave the efforts, uh, propelled the effort uh, farther, a great farther or further, whichever one is accurate in this case, but a great deal by saying she would uh, match. Uh, the donations, uh, the totality of the donations, up to 100. Uh, excuse me, up to 500 dollars. Now that you know, she made it clear. Uh, it shouldn't be assumed that you know everything. Uh, every time someone donates up to 500 dollars, she matches it because otherwise she could you know 
have to give away a lot of money. No, but as soon as the um, donations from the, as soon as the individual donations themselves reach uh, five hundred dollars, which they did today, then uh, then Danielle will will match up to that. So, um, so and so and that's you know something that. Um, uh, that, that's the limit that was breached. Now, this is a delicate position, Todd, which is why I was so careful with the notification. Like, you know, amount collected zero. Obviously, uh, you know, it's in theory we've raised this money. Um, in practice, I've collected none of it yet, but I hope that I may begin to and uh, in, in short order. And uh, I hope people make good on their pledges. You know, I, I certainly won't want anyone to be in a in a, an unfortunate position where, like, you know, they made a donation and then for whatever reason they don't live up to it. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid – I'm a little bit afraid to donate my 55 cents or to pledge it and then have something come up in my life where uh, I cannot come through with that 55 cents if I need it for something else. And then, uh, you know, like what, what if I what if I have bad breath and need to buy a pack of chewing gum? You know, then I, I may have to spend that 55 cents. But uh, um, I have to ask you an unrelated question here. I was surprised here – that uh, Marco Valerio, the big media guy, would not have a headset, and you kind of sound like you're in a tin can, like you're using an internal speaker. Either that, or I caught you when you're in the bathroom. And oh, hold on, I guess I got my answer. Doesn't sound really that bad. Uh, it just—it sounds like you're in a tin can. It, it, I can understand you, just kind of in a tin can. It just—it's just kind of like. That's because I haven't touched my mic. If you can wait a minute, uh, Todd, I can go get a mic. I, I, I assure you, I'll sound a lot better. At that, yeah, that'll but... that'll be great. You want you want me uh, you want me to go get it? I mean, if it's a lot, if it's not much trouble, sure. No, it's not. I'll be I'll be right back. Thanks, okay. by the way, for uh, for for helping with this. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. So Marco's going to get his microphone. It, it, I'm just a big sound quality person. It's just it was kind of tilting me. Like I, I got his whole message, but I, it was kind of tilting me to hear the uh, the tin can sound. The bathroom. I'd rather he was in the bathroom. That would make an interesting story. That he's uh, asking us to donate money while he's on the pot. But uh, now he's just using his computer's internal speaker, apparently, which never sounds good. And I was just surprised. Marco, you know, he does all the interviews. He's always he always sounds very good. This is kind of a shock. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like visiting a beautiful girl, and and her hair is up in rollers, and she has no makeup on, and she just looks totally different. She's like not the girl you're used to seeing. That's kind of what's happening here with with Marco and his voice. But uh, he's gonna get his mic. I'll find out what uh, the charity is again. That we kind of pulled away from that, but I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna get the answer here. We, we get answers on the show. At least we, we try to. I ask the tough questions here. What if the getting his mic is an excuse to just, like, get off the phone with me? What if that never comes back? What if Marco just disappears? What if it's like a horror movie where there's, like, a guy waiting with a knife and, like, stabs him in the throat as he gets his microphone? You know, they said in the movie Scream, never say I'll be right back. And Marco, I mean, maybe he has a big house. Maybe he has a huge house and he has to go all the way to the other end to get that mic. Or maybe the mic has disappeared somewhere. 
Maybe he thought that since he left Quad Jacks that he doesn't need a microphone anymore. Who needs a microphone if you don't have Quad Jacks? Oh, he hung up. Oh, I, I called up and came up as busy. Oh. Maybe he's avoiding me now. Ah, Is this better? Are. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, yes, yes, it's better. I plugged in uh, my, uh, what is this? I can't even tell, but it's the microphone I use for, uh, for podcast, or used to use for podcasting, but you know, used for good quality Skype calls. Thank you for uh, waiting. So where were we? Uh, the charity. I know you, you wanted to ask yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. What is the charity? What, what, char- what charity is it going to go to? Do you, or do you uh, know? Not uh, officially decided yet. I've uh, I've actually been considering that. I've, I've talked to a few people who, who have suggested, hey, you know, you should donate to this and that. I've actually had I had a great conversation with um, with Billy Vogel who has been doing this for years, I found out only, you know, thanks uh, through this initiative, um, meaning he's collected money from online poker players and donated them to, uh, to, uh, to, to children's causes. I think that's wonderful. I think it's very heartwarming. I certainly would not, um, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to doing that. Uh, I said that I wanted to, uh, you know, get more, uh, get more suggestions, get more feedback. Eventually, I think we will have to make a decision, and I think actually it's 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 extremely important that uh, that we do decide and do commit. Maybe it's one charity, maybe it's multiple ones, uh, but it's also because I, I think that time is of the essence. Meaning, uh, there might be some people who maybe are are hesitant or wary to donate. Uh, because they aren't sure, you know, like, where, where do I send the money? What do we, then there are others just like, you know, well, what am I donating, uh, donating to? You know, for many, uh, for many individuals so far, it seems like just the pleasure of giving has been enough uh, to, to, to make a pledge. But I think that the sooner we, uh, the sooner we pinpoint where uh, this money uh, will go, the, the, the better it will be, the, the more, you know, at ease people, I guess, will feel. And the more I hope it's going to, uh, stimulates more giving. So I like, I like the, I, I like the children's, I, I, I certainly like the, anything having to do with children's causes, um, which is why I'm, I'm so partial to, to, to what Billy Vogel's doing. Um, and maybe, you know, if we, if we were to, 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 to connect in this matter, if we were to do something together, I, I also like the idea, Todd, of uh, having this be uh, something that can just give uh, the poker playing community um, um, just a, just a positive boost. Not that I think that the online poker community is necessarily, um, you know, that that is necessarily or it has it has a negative reputation in general to combat. I think you know some people certainly think that online poker is the devil. Others maybe don't care. But I'd like for, for again, like I'd like you know if this could get additional attention to be like, see, you know, look at poker players, look at the poker playing community, uh, took matters into its own hands. Uh, you know the had this money, got together, put it all together, and just for you know, many people not they didn't even get a check just for the pleasure of giving, the joy of giving, uh, was able to pull this off, and, and here's what they did. So I, I I would really be very very happy if something like that could successfully be coordinated. But but in, in you know in closing about the charity, as of still undecided, I don't know whether I will uh, even solicit 
uh, or I, whether I, I whether we will receive donations before uh, before determining the the, the charity. Uh, please be uh, uh, please be informed, you and your listeners. I've been looking into this pretty uh, pretty intensely um, since yesterday. Since this started about one p.m. yesterday. At the same time, uh, there's also I've, I've had to also you know make time for uh, other things going on in my life. So I'm I'm doing the best I can figuring uh, figuring out as much as I can. And like I've noted numerous times, I, I welcome feedback from any interested party and so far we've received lots so okay. well, yeah it's good and uh you know i encourage anybody who uh you know wants to participate in this to get a hold of you and i i gave it earlier in the show uh, again if you you know you can uh, contact at agent marco on uh, twitter or is it agent marco 87 at gmail.com is your yes, address sir. and uh um you know now i did have a bad experience with a poker charity where in uh, 2007, at the World Series of Poker, mm-hmm. uh, I bought a dollar's worth of popcorn from Absolute Poker, who uh, claimed that was going to charity, and they they apparently got sold 10,000 bags of popcorn while they were there during the entire World Series and stole all the money. <laughs> and uh, this, no for one, real? yeah, no one knew about this until an employee of Absolute Poker, when I was at the you know one of the main people seen to be investigating the scandal when it first broke. Uh, one of them came to me and told me the story, and then I brought it out on Two Plus Two back in the days when I wasn't banned, and uh, it, it was acknowledged that uh, a long time passed, and they hadn't donated to charity, and then they uh, they produced some really shady receipt for a really shady charity that no one had heard of in Las Vegas that they donated to. So it was very clear that this woman who told me knew what she was talking about. So anyway, uh, so it didn't have anything to do with. Did you say that that uh, which company was behind this? It was Absolute Poker. Absolute. But so did they have anything to do with it, or was the person just fronting? No, no, no. It was Absolute Poker. In fact, I had heard that the owners of Absolute Poker were laughing at how stupid poker players were for uh, you know donating to charity like this, and they just got to keep it and spend it. They they actually had uh, a good laugh of. Uh, they actually had a lot of disdain for poker players. Uh, you know the owners of Absolute Poker. They looked down on poker players and felt they were stupid. They thought they were the smart ones over there. And that's why that's part of why they stole from them because they uh, they felt that they were above them and could do it. And in the really? meantime, they were stupid in the way they went about it and got caught so quickly. I'm talking about the the AP guys. The the UB scandal is a different story. That was done with a little more subtlety with you know over a period of years by Russ Hamilton, who had a lot more experience being a uh, scumbag and cheating people. So uh, anyway. Uh, I, I have a separate question here that I have to ask you, okay? Sure. Uh, on Skype, everybody has a, an image, and you yes. see my image, and it's uh, an old picture of me from uh, seven years ago. And, right. Uh, uh, but the image of you is not of you, but it's of mm-hmm. a what looks like a koala bear holding, I don't know, cotton candy or some kind or, or shish kebab. Right. Or, I, I, anyway, the thing that jumped out at me, and I'm going to yeah. admit this here, are you familiar with the with a pedo bear? No, uh, I'm not, <laughs> okay. and uh, I would rather we keep it that way. But <laughs> the pedo bears—I—I I, I don't even know why I know this, but it's like a, a internet meme where uh, I think it got invented on 4chan. It's a cute-looking animated teddy bear that's actually supposed to be a pedophile and a pervert, and unfortunately, the pedo bear uh, has a lot of resemblance. To your koala bear here. If you Google pedal bear, you'll see what I'm talking about. So, like, I'm looking if for you on you Skype. Google pedal bear. <laughs> yeah, 
No, no, seriously. Google Pedal Bear, P-E-D-O-B-E-A-R, <laughs> and you'll see all these pictures of an animated bear that looks similar to this bear. And uh, not exactly like this bear, but kind of similar to when, like, when I was scrolling down on Skype. I'm like, where's Marco? Where's Marco? I go, whoa, the pedo bear. What's this doing here? <laughs> and I go, why is Marco using right. this? And I, I, must, go, like, uh, I must. All right. I, I, it is without any joy that I'm about to Google pedo bear because <laughs> you've got me. Uh, here we go. Images. Um, I don't. Okay. Uh, first of all, Gross. <laughs> uh, second, I disagree, Todd. I don't think uh, I don't think there is that big a resemblance. I, they're both cartoon characters, but I I don't disbelieve you that it made you think of of Pedal Bear. If you're curious to know who it is, I invite you to Google uh, Rilakuma. It's a Japanese uh, it's a Japanese uh, well it's a Japanese term. It's a Japanese character. Um, Rilakuma. Give it your best, and remember, there's two Ks. I don't know if you want me to spell you know, out the whole thing. You know thing. what I it's think just... it is? I'm, I'm looking at the pedal bear now myself. I was doing it for memory. Okay, now I, now I just Google the pedal bear myself. And uh, I'll say that I think the reason it reminded me was the ears that stick up. I, I think that's what's – it's an animated bear uh, with the ears that stick up. And I, I think it just – it kind of reminds me for that. You're right. It doesn't look just like it, but uh, – What is stick up? I don't, uh, I don't understand. Like the ears are kind of like sticking out. All the ears that stick out. The ears are like sticking out, like in the exact same position on the bear's head as yours, bear. I think that's what's doing. I'd kind of forgotten. You know, I I don't see my my own Skype avatar obviously often as as often as the people who who are on Skype with me, and I've kind of forgotten that I put it there. Um, I don't even recall why I did that. I I when I first laid eyes upon it, I just thought it was adorable. And um, I just thought it would be kind of funny. Um, Maybe at, at the time I did think that it would be fun to just kind of throw people off. Um, you know, especially when I when I talk to people on Skype, I I must have been displeased with what I thought was uh, a, a common Skype avatar. Uh, you know, maybe or maybe pre- predominant with the people I talk to. You know, it tends to be a lot of uh, professional portraits. So and, how you know, do I how do I Google this thing this this bear you have? You I'll, uh, I'll I'll Skype. Uh, I'll here we go. I think that's how you spell it. So and then and because and, I because in Japan apparently it's a big big industry to just ah, Japan, uh, develop uh, <laughs> uh, you know manufacture rather cute cute characters on a very consistent basis. I, I think the company that designs Rokuma, I was reading on Wikipedia, you know, it's basic. It's it's just tasked with coming out with you know irresistibly cute characters. Like well, they're making cars. You know, in Japan, there's uh, a lot of perverts there too, though. That's you have to keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> on, anyway, that, on that, I won't comment. Okay, I didn't get to that part. Here's of the way: you, if anyone wants to Google this, listening, it's R I L A K K U M A Rilakuma mm-hmm. with two Ks. R I L A K K U M A, and then you can Google the pedo bear, and you'll <laughs> especially if you look at the face, like just just the face or. Or uh, the face and the ears. Uh, if you see the whole bear, I admit that it doesn't look as much like it. But um, that, that just jumped out at me. Maybe I have a, a sick mind. But anyway, I, I just wanted to know the story uh, behind that. And we, I, I didn't think that uh, – I will never look at Rilakkuma the same way again. <laughs> I, didn't, uh... I didn't think you were a pedo bear fan. I just uh, – it just kind of jumped out at me. I just had – I have to ask the tough questions here on, on Poker Farm. Yeah, right? well, I – no, I, I, I got you, Todd. Uh, the, you know, you, you did – you you might have just spoiled uh, Rila for me, but it's okay. I'll, I'll find another irresistibly cute uh, Japanese. <laughs> well, they, apparently this company comes up with a lot of them, so you can uh, you have a lot sure. to choose. I see. There's also a a, a Korila Kuma, which doesn't look as much like the Pedo Bear to me. And uh, <laughs> no, but maybe uh, she, there's another you know femme fatale uh, murderous uh, you know little cute teddy bear bitch character 
who uh, you we can find a way to to connect to connect her to. Okay, so so anyway, uh, yeah, so contact Marco if you want to donate to this cause, and maybe it'll become something big, really semi big. You maybe a nice size donation and get end up being made to a a good charity and uh, uh, whatever charity you pick. Uh, if I can just give some advice, there's a lot of charities sure. that seem good on the surface and seem very noble on the surface, but then mm-hmm. when you look at how they've spent their money, it gets very murky. And right. and some and sometimes what happens is you have a charity that is for a good cause, but the, the especially some smaller charities that aren't doesn't don't have as much oversight, uh, the people running it say, hey. You know, what about me? Look at all the effort I'm putting into this. Why right. should I get nothing? You know, hey, if I take 50 percent, uh, they're still going to get a lot of money. It's still for a good mm-hmm. cause. It's still helping out. and Everybody wins. And then, like, you know, like you just got to, like, look and see, uh, you know, they're fi- have they been filing the necessary uh, financial statements to the IRS? Yeah. And, uh, you know, can you look at these? Can you see really where all the money is going? Uh, uh there's actually even been a suggestion here uh, by text to the uh, the text phone number of this radio show. Someone suggested that you could donate the money to Little Caesars in Ferguson, Missouri, to rebuild it. You know, uh, it's funny you mention that because someone did say that uh, someone did suggest that we do something uh, that we donate to the Boys and Girls Clubs of of uh, of, of St. Louis or 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 Ferguson, uh, which well, I don't know if Ferguson has its own, but. But I don't. I don't dislike. I mean, I'm, I'm really in no position to rule out any idea. I suppose that at uh, at some point we're going to have to, you know, bring down a gavel. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I I don't think it's a bad idea, honestly, Todd. At the risk of of sounding preachy, I guess you know the verdict in the case of uh, Darren Wilson is that his name that's extremely divisive, and uh, I. I think about it, and I think it's. Yeah, I, I hate the. I, I hate the the idea that 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 something like this can 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 you know tear people apart, can make people distrustful of one another, can can basically uh, germinate so so much hate. I, I I don't like the thought of that. I don't think anyone does. So I thought maybe I started thinking maybe if we did do a gesture like that, maybe if we just wrote a check to a good cause um, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in 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 the local area. And and present and say, listen, uh, yes, in in view of this divisive verdict, we, we just want to do something good. We just want to do something nice, uh, just in the name of uh, in, in in the name of people who are just good people and and and, and aren't racist and, and 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 aren't racially hateful. So I I was playing with that idea, uh, but uh, but I'm now I'm also wondering, how, you know, I. How can you pull it off without? Coming I, I think it might be hard to donate to anything related to that without getting some people angry whereas yeah, I, donating right. to something that is uh uh has no controversy to it uh, no one will object, object sure. to it, provided it's a legitimate uh, charity so anyway uh, good luck with that that whole thing there and i i know i told you it'd be a short interview and this wasn't all that short because i had to bring up the pedo bear so uh you know <laughs> I, i'm glad to have you on the show here it's been a while since we talked and uh what are you doing these days by the way as far as i know you're not with uh, quad jacks anymore so what what is uh what is on the plate here for Marco Valerio at the moment. Well, you know, I uh, I don't know, Todd. I think I might become a, a full time philanthropist. Um, <laughs> at, I don't know. I mean, actually, actually, on that note, I who knows? Maybe uh, if we in closing about the, the charity. And once again, thank you for uh, for, uh, for 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 the time here and for for showing uh, for showing interest. And, and to your listeners, anyone who either spreads the words or donates or merely 
or merely listens and finds out. Thanks so much. Um, but quickly about it, Todd. God damn, what was I going to say? Um, wow. I, I had think such a having, big intro to that. that I, I, think, I think you're having the, the, I I think you're having the Dusty that. Schmidt uh, multi-tabling brain problem. Oh, I got it. I got it now. Okay. So, so what happened was, uh, so I like the idea of, 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 of children's causes, uh, maybe a, a toy drive for children uh, during Christmas. So that means that, you know, come December, we will have delivered uh, the money. And then who knows? I mean, if, if this picks, if picks up the traction, um, who knows? We maybe we we keep doing it. We find a way to keep doing it. I certainly am aware that there's many charitable organizations within poker. So perhaps we can even just find a way to uh, steer donors to some of these organizations. I've actually I'm quite enjoying uh, you know getting to talk to people and and figuring out you know who's doing all this good. Uh, so that's just in closing. Um, as for me, I you know that's a very good question. I'm the type of guy. Who gets involved in uh, in numerous uh, in numerous activities and numerous projects, um, and so it's that's always a very difficult question for me to answer. Uh, as far as what the what the public sees or what the what the uh, what the poker community sees, I I still put out content. Uh, you know, primarily I write. Uh, I've, I've started. It's been a while now. I've, I've focused. I focused more. You know, on, on on what's happening with the internet gaming industry, and uh, I try. I I really try to cover it and report on it in terms that, you know, sometimes my readership is the poker player, sometimes the readership is the industry. I generally try to make it pretty easy, but I'm always trying to keep in mind that there's a very informed uh, and educated poker playing community that actually follows uh, this stuff. So I, I I feel I've dedicated myself a lot to that effort, you know, and it's, it's, some, it's some of it maybe is not even uh, entirely intentional. I've just, I've become... I've become, uh, you know, I've surrounded myself with with this industry so much, both on the at the poker playing level and the and and what's happening with the industry and the legislators and the politicians. I, I simply can't help uh, getting involved with with what some of my friends are doing and and advising some people and and they want to do produce content. Invariably, it's about it's about uh, it's about uh, this industry. So uh, so I I'm, you know, I that's what I've done. I don't know how long I will continue to do it. Um, uh, uh, to be honest with you, uh, uh, Todd, I, 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 you know, I'm always uh, pondering uh, this or that prospect or this or that opportunity. There's usually uh, a bunch that kind of revolve around me, especially in, in my position in life and at, and at my age also, and considering how long I've been in this industry. So I, I, um, I don't. I, I cannot say too much more on that without, you know, leading anyone on. But uh, basically, I'm, I've become a servant of the of the I, of the iGaming industry. Remember, I used to be a servant of the poker community with the uh, with the radio program nice. and after Black Friday and how you know consistently I, I was I was covering those issues and I basically took that fervor and that focus and and shifted it a little bit to include uh, uh, other spheres of, uh, of of the gaming world, especially here in the U.S., obviously, which is where I'm based. Yeah, yeah so, I've, seen, I've seen you coverage a lot of that stuff. I've, I've mentioned some of the stuff on this show when I've, when I've seen it out there. So, uh, well, thank you. you. Yeah, you've done a good job with that. And, uh, yeah, so yeah, thanks for coming on and uh, giving us an update on all this. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to contact Marco, it's, uh, again, at Agent Marco or AgentMarco87 at gmail.com. 
Well, thanks so much, uh, Todd. I really, really appreciate the, the invitation and, and the, you know, short uh, on short notice as it was. Uh, yeah, we just, we that's what we do here. We just kind of just randomly call things. <laughs> we, well, you know, in hindsight, I then I I, I, I certainly regret how uh, what I tweeted earlier. Uh, someone asked me, uh, someone asked me, hey, Marco, you need to call or some or Joe, rather. I, I should mention him by name because I, I've been on his program. Joe tweeted at Joe Cello. He tweeted at me and said, Marco, you got to get on Todd's program. I'm like, oh, dear, this have, um, am I already under accusation of fraud here? No one has donated anything yet. There's been no dime. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I could understand that fear that on Poker Fraud Alert Radio that that here you have uh, this charity thing that you might think I'm calling up to accuse you. But no, I'm not. I was just calling to the, give this some publicity. I uh, you've never known been known to do anything shady in the years you've been involved in poker, and and uh, so I, I I don't see a large chance of that happening. And uh, right now we're not even dealing with a large sum of money anyway. So. Right. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for coming on, uh, Marco. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much. I, 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 in everyone's best interest, for the children, I hope that the amount of money you know grows to the point where maybe some some eyebrows do start being raised. Maybe even my guardian angel begins to <laughs> yeah. question uh, whether uh, begins to you know uh, the double double uh, uh, double uh, second guess me. But no, I don't even want to plant that idea in anyone's mind. Anyway, like I've said, uh, the process will be transparent uh, and uh, and it's. I appreciate I appreciate uh, the the faith you're, you're putting in me. I hope to do everything possible to to, to pull it off, to donate as much po- money as possible, and uh, to not give another black eye to uh, poker charitable organizations. We've had far too many. And and thanks so much. Uh, I, I hope to keep you and and uh, and your listeners uh, updated. And like 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 you've noted, anyone is, is, is free to contact me with suggestions or advice or comments. And of course, pledges. Okay. Thank you, Marco. Have a great show. Have right, a good thanks. night. Bye. Thanks, guys. That was Marco Valerio. You know, if he ends up being another Jason, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> he, he better not end up another Jason. That's all I can say. If I give another person the, the forum here to... Uh, I'm going to lose all faith in everything. But I don't think it will. Marco's been around a long time. He's never been known to cheat anyone. And uh, I, I don't think this is a way to roll people. I... I I think the reputation he's built all this time would not be worth any money he could possibly roll people for here. I mean, if he was dealing with a million bucks, maybe. But uh, no, for this amount of money, I, I couldn't see how this would be something he would do. And uh, I really do think he's just doing it because uh, he thought it would be a nice thing to do and is, is putting it together. So very good. So I, there's going to be another thing I was going to talk about uh, by the way, it's not Asian Marco. It's Agent Marco. A G E N T Marco. Beer and Poker said that uh, he wants to see me and Marco in a radio rambling contest. Yeah, that'd be a tough competition there. Right, I probably shouldn't be. That. I was supposed to be done with the show already, but I will anyway. Just because I, I said I wanted to talk about this, and this is our. I actually, I didn't say I wanted to. I thought I wanted to. Here is a, uh, a video of, uh, where is it? Now I lost it. There's a video that was on Fox News about Mike Huckabee talking about online poker. Here we are. Poker is the best. I've already played a bunch with my friends. I've played this before on this show. This is the commercial 
the anti-online poker commercial. It's hard, though. Every time I think I have it, like somebody comes along and steals the pot. But, you know, you just keep playing, and sometimes I win. It's pretty fun, and it's easy to switch into new games. What about all the money I'm losing? Uh, first, it's on my dad's credit card, so we can always pay it back. Second, my brother's friend told me that since I'm too young to play, I don't think they're allowed to keep the money. I'm pretty sure about that. Well, online gambling websites are preying on every kid with a smartphone or tablet. That's Mike Huckabee, who once ran for president. Reeling them in with cool-looking graphics and some phony offers to play games for free. Then kids get sucked in. They start playing. The next thing you know, their parents' credit cards are all maxed out. They're in debt, and there's nothing they can legally do to fight it. Former Arkansas Senator Blanche Lincoln is the national co-chair of the Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling. And uh, By the way, I know it's a little bit soft here. There's nothing I can do. The, uh, the video that was posted on YouTube it just has poor volume. I've turned it up to the max. Joins us now. Senator, good to have you back. Thank you. Glad to be, be, glad to be with you. You know, we talked politics a couple of weeks ago, but this is frankly, I think, one of the most important topics that I don't hear anybody talking about. Tell me how big it is, this internet gaming with kids. It's huge. And it, it's bad for our kids. It's bad for our families. It's bad for our economy because it's the marginalized. It's the kids that don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, kids have been playing video games forever. Um, you know, my boys, I, my yeah. husband Steve and I, we worked hard to follow the guidelines for age-appropriate things. But the fact... Now, this is Blanche Lincoln, co-chair of the Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling. And Who's bankrolling here? Is, is this someone who's working for uh, Adelson? It probably is. It's probably someone who's being paid to go around and espouse this viewpoint. So I don't trust this Blanche Lincoln. It's not, I, it's not just I don't agree with her. I don't trust her. Is, is they're used to doing this and so when they get on they don't realize it sometimes um, then all of a sudden they grab a parent's phone they get into it the credit card there was a, a kid that a uh, single mom he stole two of her credit cards you know in a nanosecond two hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of debt uh, on a credit card. I mean, that's destroying our families and, and the opportunities that our kids might have. So we've got to do something about it. If I had spent $20,000 on my parents' <laughs> credit cards, uh, the problem would have been that they wouldn't have found enough pieces of me. Um, is there any way to, to police this, to stop it, to, to give parents any control so their kids can access this stuff? That's the difficult part here is because of the Internet, the FBI has told us that it's, it's, it's a, a real problem particularly for organized crime. For See, I don't even like that story because uh, credit cards uh, have a feature to where if there's su sudden charges that run up very quickly that are uncharacteristic of what you typically charge, they typically shut down the card, especially from foreign charges or anything related to gambling. They'll shut it down and say, hey, are, are you really doing this for fraud reasons, not even because of worrying about the kid doing it. So I, I don't believe it. Also, I, I've heard this dumb story before, and it was supposedly a single mother who, do, you know, they're implying doesn't have much money. How does she have a $20,000 line of credit? If you have a $20,000 line of credit, you're usually fairly well off, uh, especially if it's all available. But I think the whole story is made up or they're not telling the whole thing or, uh, you know, it, it could have been something like she even allowed the, the kid to do it. And then afterwards made up the story that he stole it to try to get out of paying the money after he lost online. There's, there's a lot of ways this could have gone. And uh, even if it is true, it, it's one story 
that hasn't been happening typically. And with all the identity checks and everything, there would be a lot someone has to do, a, a kid would have to do to get online and play as his parents in the U.S. legalized market. For terrorist activities, being able to launder money, um, they cannot police it. Now they- That's right. That's right. There is a risk of money being transferred for terrorist activities and money laundering, but you know what? They can get away with that on the illegal online poker sites that exist outside the U.S. The U.S. regulated sites, that's where you can watch for this. That's where you can police this. If you want this to still go on, then don't legalize online poker, and then people can use the illegal sites to do this and get away with it, and you'll never catch them. You'll never see it happening. They can shut it down, which they did um, when we outlawed it. Uh, But the fact that we've made it legal now, um, they police it. They don't have enough resources to be able to police it. They can shut it down, which they could do and they did do, um, but they can't police it. They just don't have the ability. Obviously, a kid can't walk in who's 12 years old and go sit at the casino and play the slots or play blackjack. But there's really, I guess, nothing to prohibit a kid from going on and saying, yes, I'm 18 or I'm 21. Well, and these are states that are choosing to do this. And so you're exactly right. The geolocation is supposed to be an issue, but there's no way to be able to actually tell if that child is in New Jersey or New York or Pennsylvania or wherever when they're on a New Jersey site. Of course um, there is. It's, it's using cell phone towers. It's, it's very good technology. Uh, the only problem with the technology is it's sometimes uh, too sensitive to where if you actually are in the state, it thinks you're not. But I, I don't know of any cases where someone's outside the state and is given credit for being in the state because uh, the way they've designed this geolocation technology is uh, it, basically if you're close to the border, uh, it, it gives the benefit of the doubt to you not being within the borders. So, of course it can tell. That's a very tough thing to fake. Uh, yes, you could fake it, by leaving a cell phone with a friend in that other state. But yeah, that, of course, requires having a friend in another state that'll do it for you, and kids are not likely to have that. I mean, how many, how many 12-year-old kids ha- have a friend they can go visit in another state or mail a cell phone to in another state who's going to leave a cell phone? It's just not practical. It's not going to happen. Um, so you're exactly right. They can't do that. And the fact is, is when you look at gaming, um, as we've seen it traditionally, it's really built around entertainment. Um, you have full-time uh, regulations, uh, probably the most regulated of all, uh, obviously the brick and mortar. But they also have oversight. They have um, law enforcement there. They actually have psychiatrists there as well. Um, when they see someone that they know is getting in over their head, that may have had too much to drink, then they have the ability to come in and, and actually get that individual pointed in the right direction, which may be out the door for the time being. But there's a lot more to be, and not to mention the jobs that we talk about from the restaurants, from the shopping, uh, to the shows and all of the other things that are really combined with brick and mortar gambling. Now, if somebody commits fraud on their credit card, we we are kind of told that we're limited up to a $50 liability. Is that not applicable to this? It is not. Whoa. So, I mean, you get $20,000, you're actually responsible for the $20,000. Right. So that's a misleading question. If, if it really is fraud, then you're not liable. If it's fraud of any kind, you're not liable. Now, if you play and you lose, then, yeah, of course you're liable. But, yeah, if someone steals your credit card and deposits online poker and you can show that it wasn't you, if they look into it and see evidence that it was not you from the IP address and everything else, 
then yeah, you, you are covered. It's still a version of fraud. There's no such thing as someone stole your credit card and ran up your bill uh, charging online poker, and for this instance, they're not going to cover it. That's not how it will work. That's exactly right. It is a dangerous thing, Governor. It really is um, for our... Uh, by the way, I, I want to say one more thing. The reason a lot of credit card companies do not even allow legalized online gambling purchases of chips is for this reason, is because they don't want people calling up and making false claims of fraud after they lose money on legalized online sites. They don't want to have to bother investigating and figure out was it fraud, was it not fraud. So uh, they just don't want to deal with the transactions at all. So those banks just say, forget it. But other ones, yeah, they will investigate and they'll decide whether it was you or wasn't you. And uh, if it wasn't you, you'll get your money back. So this is another falsehood that they're claiming here. And as you can see, this is a total softball interview where Mike Huckabee, who is a a big-time social conservative and uh, he, he's the type of conservative i don't like like a, a super social conservative but not an economic conservative so he's conservative in my opinion in all the wrong places and uh he, so he's just he's definitely on her side very much here and leading her to the question she wants asked it's almost like a commercial for anti-online poker families for our nation and as i said for our economy and we've got to do something so we're fighting back Tell me what the coalition wants to do. Is it to pass a law? Is it just to bring awareness? Is it to uh, go after the bad guys? All of those. All okay. of the above. All of the above. Um, the first thing that we'd really like to do is bring an awareness. I know there's multiple families out there that watch know folks who really want to get us on the right path, both with our families and our economy. And so what we're trying to do is... We've got a piece of legislation, bipartisan, in both the House and the Senate. It's pretty amazing. Um, that basically says we're going to take a timeout. Yeah. We're going to go back to what the what the law. Yeah, I think someone needs to give her a timeout, like the way you give a kid. Law was for almost six decades, um, and we're going to go back to the original interpretation of the Wire Act. What are you talking about? Six decades? There was no internet six de- decades ago, and even when the internet was invented in its first form in 1969, it was nothing like the internet you see today. That didn't really exist till the mid 90s. Uh, the law written in 1961 had nothing to do with internet gambling. They couldn't even picture internet gambling back in 1961. Uh, the Wire Act was really written uh, to prevent uh, sports betting over the phone. That's what it was about. It has nothing to have to do with internet poker or other forms of internet gambling or anything like that. And it, the, the bill is Restore the Wire Act. Um, and so it gives Congress time to debate this. That's where it should happen, not where it did happen. Well, the website is on the screen. We hope people will get more information. Uh, th- this is just amazing, and I, I hope... You know, frankly, this is one of those few things that I think anybody who doesn't support this in the Congress should be thrown out. I mean, this mm. is not a, uh, an issue that is about the politics well, of it. Well, 22 it's, members that supported it, only one of them lost their reelection. It is an issue that families and, and voters are all about, and it's very simple. It was just a, a quick, quick, quick um, order that came out of DOJ in the dead of the night right before Christmas in 2011. It needs Congress's oversight. It needs to go back to where we were and start again um, and make sure that we're doing things right. Absolutely. Senator, thank you for joining us. Great thank to you. have you here. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, they've twice rocked the house. Well, okay, so uh, basically, um, and, and this this woman's a senator, by the way. I didn't realize that at first. Uh, I hadn't heard of her before, Blanche Lincoln. But anyway, 
Uh, I still don't trust her. <laughs> she even said at the end they passed it in the dead of night in 2011. That's not what happened. It was in 2006, and 2011 was when the bus came down. But uh, look, everything that's being raised here, uh, what's so foolish about it is the existing illegal sites make it a lot easier to do all these things than the legalized ones would. It would make it easier for kids to play without proper ID verification. It would uh, make it easier for terrorists to send money to one another and make it look like poker winnings. It'd make it easier for people to launder money. Uh, It makes it easier for the sites themselves to steal from people, something that wasn't even brought up in this interview. All these things happen because of lack of regulation. What happened on Full Tilt, what happened on UB, this is all because we had no regulation. We need regulation. If we don't have it, that's where we start having all the trouble that they're afraid of. And... I think that uh, the people who are coming out strongly against this are, are pretty much just puppets for ones like Sheldon Adelson who want to see it stopped. I don't believe there's a lot of legitimate concern about this. There's also a big states' rights issue here, and this goes back to uh, a big constitutional issue. And I discussed this in a prior show, that the United States is – it's a combination – of 50 different state governments that act individually. And yes, they are tied together. They're under the umbrella of the federal government and there are federal laws, but there are very strong states' rights in this country. The states basically act as their own governments in many fashions, including typically deciding uh, what's legal and illegal for their citizens to do within reason. And um, conservatives, even, true conservatives believe that the federal government telling these states what they can and can't legalize regarding gambling is a violation of states' rights. And by the way, going back to an earlier discussion in this show, I think so is the sports betting thing. But this is even worse because at least they can claim the sports betting thing affects other industries that have nothing to do with gambling, meaning the the, uh, the sporting industry themselves. But this doesn't. Playing poker doesn't affect other industries. Playing casino games does not affect other industries. It just affects the player and the casino. So the states themselves should decide whether they want that to be legal or not. It should not be up to the federal government to decide what types of gambling can be permitted in certain states, especially as far as poker and casino games go. I think even with sports betting too. This is a violation of states' rights. It's a violation of the Constitution, violation of the Tenth Amendment. And this country, going all the way back, it was always seen as very important that the states mostly act autonomously, that the federal government does not act like a nanny to the states and boss them around. And that's something way back in American history that has always been the case. So I don't understand how people like Blanche Lincoln and Mike Huckabee can sit there and call themselves conservatives and yet assault states' rights in the way that they are when states' rights has always been a big conservative issue. And as a conservative myself, I also believe in states' rights. And this is 
is not right even from that perspective. So I don't think this is going to work out for them. There's already a big backlash on both sides of the aisle. Democrats don't like this, and fellow conservatives don't like this for the reason I just said. So you may see Republicans like that going after this, but uh, it's not just the Republicans. There's also Democrats doing this, and there's many Republicans, including myself, and including ones who are not even into the gambling industry like I am, who are very against any kind of ban against online poker, including Ron Paul, who made a very harsh statement about these efforts last week. Anyway, uh, that's it. I'm out of topics, out of time. Thank you to Marco Valerio for coming on and explaining his uh, charity idea and his efforts to raise money, starting with the pennies people are getting from Ultimate Poker from the final checks they are receiving. And, you know... Maybe one day I'll find the Wendy's that Kent Scaler was talking about where the white girl was actually working. (laughs) So a lot of New Jersey on this show, but a lot of other stuff. We'll be back next week. I hope you all have a good Thanksgiving if you're listening in the U.S. If you're not in the U.S., then you can do whatever you want with your Thursday and laugh at the U.S. and our funny customs with eating a turkey and cranberry sauce once a year. But... uh, I bet even some of you are listening to this show on Thanksgiving. Because what tends to happen in most families is they eat Thanksgiving dinner very early, like 2 o'clock, and then you're done. And then you have the whole rest of the afternoon and the evening with nothing to do and everything's closed. So some people hang around and watch TV. Some uh, go to the movies. It's a big going to the movies day, by the way. And uh, I have a feeling some people are going to be sitting around going, what the hell do I do with the rest of my day? And they go, oh... I usually listen to Poker Fraud Alert on, uh, on Thursday, and then they'll listen. So if you're listening on Thanksgiving, I'm glad I can contribute to your day. Just as I was glad to contribute the term super user to the legalization discussion in the state of New Jersey. See, I've given back to the state where I once lived. Should be back... A week from today, if I'm not, I'll tell you what day it'll be, but probably Tuesday, a week from now, 6.30 p.m. or thereabouts, Pacific Time. We'll come back every week. Thank you to the anonymous contributor who gave the $100 for tonight's tournament. And that's it. Four-hour show. A lot of stuff we did tonight. Be back next week, as always. Good night and shalom.